Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Temperatures also dominate the front and inside pages of many, many newspapers this morning. Uh, and the headline, for instance, making this morning's Daily Star is See You in Hell, as in See in Degrees see you in hell and they tell us exactly what will happen if temperatures continue to rise by uh, two degrees it will lead to food supplies being hit and that will lead to famine and that of course will lead to conflict and war starting with civil war and then international conflict if it goes to three degrees cyclone all of those things plus cyclones wildfires deadly heat waves if it goes to four degrees up I mean increasing in temperature all of those plus uh, cities being flooded and millions and millions around the planet uh, being found homeless so that has to do with uh, you know, the stark warnings coming from COP26. Interestingly, though, in, in other news in COP26, they're so out of touch at this eco-summit that they arrived on 400 private jets. I mean, what, what's that all about? I know Marie Antoinette probably didn't say, let them eat cake, but it sounds like that, doesn't it? Why would you go to um, a climate summit about, um, you know, trying to reverse the... Uh, it's not really the planet, actually, that will suffer because the planet will just get rid of us and recover, but we'll be gone. Why would you arrive on 400 private jets and all of the fuel that burns and the emissions from that? Uh, mind you, so, some of them have been, you know, worked harder than, you know, most of us, it would seem, because they're sleeping at the Eco Summit. There's a photograph of uh, Sleepy Joe dozing, and then there's another one makes the mail today of both Boris Johnson and Joe Biden caught napping at the summit. Eyes closed, nodding off. So that's the latest from those. Uh, meanwhile, uh, I have to say... Um, there's a lot of stuff in the papers today regarding uh, COVID and the amount of people who are uh, either not working because they're in healthcare and unwell, uh, or indeed the amount of people who are out sick working on the front line, and indeed the positive numbers and the pressure on the uh, uh, hospitals and indeed ICU. Like, for instance, 2,855 cases confirmed yesterday. But again, what we should be looking at really is the amount of people in hospital and indeed in ICU. But nurses and healthcare staff are going to get the extra jab now. Um, in fact, the word vax has even been named word of the year by the Oxford language, declaring vax its word of the year for uh, 2021. I think that's unfortunate because, uh, you know, we, we just keep... I know it's important to keep the focus on where we're at, but um, I just think that sometimes, uh, you know, there's there, there's way too much information we shared that really is only frightening and scaring people when there are other issues regarding... I mean, where are we at now, for instance, with antigen testing? you got to ask, where is it? Like, you need to get it sorted, don't we? Let's just get on with it. 1,750 cases and 106 deaths have been confirmed in nursing homes, for instance, since uh, the start of June. And now they're calling for calls for um, serial testing to be reintroduced again, particularly in care homes. Uh, the papers also talk about uh, the official COVID death around the world now is top 5 million. Uh, that's why, of course, it's a pandemic. And they break down the different countries where the USA was the worst. They lost three quarters of a million people. Now, I know people will say that the figure is inaccurate because it's the people who died of COVID or with COVID. I understand that. I really and truly do. And I also understand that the vaccine is waning and perhaps isn't uh, delivering what we had been led to believe way back in the day as being the magic pill. Um, €180,000 is a figure that makes the court reports today. The Echo leads with it. Uh, this is a pair of men who were remanded in custody for their part in a conspiracy um, to launder money. How'd they do it? Well, 
you know, the pop payment, which was quite easy to claim, to be quite honest with you, the pandemic unemployment payment. Uh, and they received, made up all sorts of fake uh, identifications and accounts. And they, they firstly hit people who were working uh, through uh, uh, the uh, pandemic because they knew that those individuals ne- would never claim pop. So they claimed it on their behalf. But they also went after people um, by using these, uh, making up these fake, fake websites and emails saying that they were being called for jury duty. Anyway, they pleaded guilty to scamming 183 grand from the pop scheme. But interestingly enough, most of that money is gone and we will never get it back because it's outside the jurisdiction of the state. We managed to get 30, or at least the guardie managed to get 32 grand frozen. Um, but the balance of around 150 grand has not been and probably won't be recovered. It's overseas. So it's two Nigerian nationals that were before the courts yesterday, part of uh, what seems to be an overseas Nigerian criminal organization uh, in which they discuss online and the Guardi seized loads of recordings where they discussed uh, the possibility of being able to launder up to a million euro worth of uh, pop payments. That's a big court report today. It's one of two interesting ones, actually. There was a row over involving an on-and-off relationship between a, John, a guy called Jordan Waters and his partner, uh, where apparently they um, met up and went drinking and then travelled by taxi to McDonald's in Dawn Square for some fast food. They went to a friend's apartment in Barrick Street around about half past three in the morning. Uh, the uh, girl involved, the injured party, threw a speaker against the wall for some reason. That was followed then by uh, Jordan Waters being enraged and picking up a large kitchen knife and swiping at her. She ducked, actually, and she missed her head. Uh, but he caught her the second time in the back of the head. So that was before the courts yesterday, where Waters got himself um, an 18-month prison sentence um, from the president of the circuit court judge, Patricia Ryan. So that makes the court reports of the Echo today. And you heard in the news that phase one of Marina Park is opening uh, this month. If you've been following the construction and the work down there, it really is a credit to those involved. It's so beautiful. And it'll be fantastic to get the first part of it open and finished and, you know, available to everybody and anybody who likes the outdoors and likes that part of the city. Uh, meanwhile, many families are on the brink and will feel the pain even more because uh, the Independent this morning is saying that thousands and thousands of more families are going to be hit with new rises in, say, for instance, bin collections, whatever television package you have, and, of course, on top of that, more energy price increases. And you notice... Temperatures getting colder, should be using the heating system an awful lot more and you'll feel it in the pocket. Um, another thing that you won't feel in the pocket is the price of a box of Celebrations or Heroes or Quality Street because Tesco and Lidl and Aldi and Dunn's are slashing the prices of the tubs. Um, so there's a health fear over that because of bargain sweet boxes that people will be inclined to buy more of them and to dig into them more often. Quality Street and Heroes and Celebrations and Roses, like down from five ninety nine to three ninety nine. Um, you wonder how they can even make a profit out of it at that kind of value. And then, of course, papers today talk of the one and only Roy Keane. He's a man who keeps on giving. If you're following him on Instagram, he's in social media now, and he's uh, just a hoot, but it looks as if he's hotly tipped to go into I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. I don't know how much of this is up to actually Roy Keane or whether it's his uh, children, who are probably fairly grown up now, are encouraging him to do more of this. You know, get into, get in, get onto Instagram, open a Twitter account, start tweeting, start sharing photographs, make jokes online, get into I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. But you'll always do what your kids will tell you. And so why wouldn't he? But with Christmas in mind, I should have mentioned this with the the boxes of sweets, apparently. There's research out now that makes the sun. I might come back to this later on, where they talk of the worst Christmas presents ever received. And amongst them are a mop and bucket, 
a diet book. Who would give anybody in their right mind a diet book? Festive socks. Ah, you can't get enough of good socks. Loo roll. <laughs> Mouthwash. Bathroom scales. Can you imagine if you really loved somebody and you gave them a bathroom scales and a diet book? But they're amongst the list of the top 10 unwanted gifts, um, which you know people surveyed uh, responded to. Might come back, at, uh, I suppose an awful lot of them actually up in, end up in, in landfill. But it might come back to it later. I know, I know we're all touchy-feely to be talking about Christmas and we're only into the second day of November. And I put the cat among the pigeons yesterday. Uh, when I rose to the challenge of breakfast and Ray and Laura and played a Christmas song. So I'm just going to stay with that for a little while now, if you don't mind, if I can find my clips here, where is it? I have it here. So yesterday, Ray Foley on Breakfast challenged me to play the first Christmas song of the year. And if you were listening yesterday, we played Wham! and Last Christmas. And I obliged. But he wasn't too impressed, apparently, uh, when I actually delivered on playing uh, the Christmas song on yesterday morning's program. So this is Ray Foley on the air this morning. The Neil Prenderville Show. Considering that the holly bows out, is it still too early to play a Christmas song, lads? Once Neil declares it's okay, that's unless he does it today. Oh, if, yeah. if he plays the first Christmas song today, I'm not. I'm still not going to play the no, polls tomorrow. No, it's too late. You said it. I think really I need to rise to the challenge. Lord Mayor Colm Kelleher, could you pass some kind of a bylaw that would stop me from doing this or something? I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still looking at a pumpkin outside the door. <laughs> I just watched the text come in now. The Neil Prenderville Show, weekdays at 9 a.m. Red FM weather. Checking out. Absolutely disgraceful, carry on, Lettuce. <laughs> he has some cheek. Absolutely disgr- disgraceful. Dragging. Dragging the good reputation of this fine radio establishment through the mud. <laughs> Disgusted. I'm yeah. I'm livid. <laughs> 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 and do you know what the irony is? No. If it was any if it was anything else, I'd be ringing Neil about it. <laughs> <laughs> All that's wrong with him is I got in ahead of him. Got in ahead of him. He came out with Mariah Carey at about 10 to 9 this morning. But the horse has bolted at that stage. 24 hours ago, we got the Christmas song on Sour Grapes. I have to say, though, extraordinary result this morning on Breakfast because they um, asked people to pledge money to Marymount, I believe. And people did. Um, more on that a little later on this morning. I was just chatting to Kira about it a few minutes ago, and she says that um, there could be upwards of maybe 15, 1600 euro pledged by people on Breakfast this morning. Uh, for a song to be played, a Christmas song to be played. I think that's fantastic. Um, the Lord Mayor pledged 500 euro, I believe. So I got to tip my hat and bow to uh, Breakfast and uh, Ray Foley and Laura this morning. That was a job well done, raising money uh, for Marymount. So more on that throughout the course of the morning. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. I have lots and lots of texts on, on yesterday morning's Christmas song, not just through the radio station, but also through my own Instagram. So more on that. Um, but I want to do this because Steve is from Leitrim and he's very desperate to get on the air. He said to me, you need to let me call into the show. Um, and who am I to refuse a request like that? So he joins me by phone. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How's it going? Ah, great to have you, pal. So a Leitrim man who was in Cork last week for the first time in a couple of years. You want to pick up on our driving habits, is it? Yeah, listen, I suppose I was listening to the interesting news you were telling there. And tomorrow's news should be something like, let's learn the rules of the road. Because 
last week, I'm telling you now, like, and I'd have been Galway, I'd have been all, all over the place, but it was the worst I've seen, and that's why I wanted to get in touch because I'm not a dramatic man, Neil, but. What was going on last week was absolutely crazy. And it was everywhere. It you was were, so you were alarmed everywhere. You were alarmed by our driving habits. Give us some examples. Right, so I was coming in, like, first of all, I know what's going on there, New Spaghetti Junction near the tunnels. Like, I know, it's, I know it's crazy, right? But I was coming down, let's say, from the Dublin direction, and I went through the roundabout, and I was going right, heading towards the city. I was at the traffic lights at Ramba, and I'd say about four or five cars just ran the red light. Just no bother to them, just straight out. Straight through, no bother, let's go. Everyone, everyone was doing it from all angles. For the 10 minutes I was there or whatever, I was watching them just flying around the, the roundabout just doing what... You sure know you were looking at the right red light, were you? You sure it wasn't for other traffic? You might have been confused. It, it might be confusing for a fellow from Leitrim when he comes to a big <laughs> met- metropolitan city like ours. Do, do, do you know, we don't have many traffic lights up here in Leitrim, but I'm telling you, we know how to stop when, when we see the red light. Yeah, but I maybe you, you're looking stop. at the the red light for other traffic, not the traffic that was supposedly, allegedly going through the red light. <laughs> I'm telling you now, you can't, when you're driving a long time and you're doing a lot of miles, you kind of know like when, when the other red light, you can see it from the right side, you're looking, you're watching. All right, okay. Like, now, I was just a little bit worried that you were coming to town and you might have got overwhelmed. No. <laughs> All right. I'm okay. not in the tractor now, I'm not in the tractor. Right? <laughs> I, know, I know what's going on. So, right, that was, that was first off. That was, I said, right, fair enough, it was busy, whatever it was about. I don't know what time it was. It was about lunchtime, so maybe people want to get their lunch, whatever, and it was a bad old day. No, do you, we don't go home for lunch at all. Do you, do you go home for your dinner at lunchtime in Leitrim, you do? <laughs> well, cheers, sure. You might go down to the pub and have a bit of bacon and cabbage if you can get <laughs> no. there, a bit of roast beef and be grand. I love bacon and cabbage. Go on, anyway, oh, so. All right, from the yeah, Dunkettle yeah. roundabout, right. carry on. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, go- I'm going into town there now by, geez, you know, the big CAT, the big tap buildings. That's grand. I don't know why they I've been, last time I was in Cork for two years, and they made it, they made it into two. You know, two lanes there coming into the city where still the springs is. Yeah, they've been one lane going up to the top, up to the bridge. Yeah, the slip. Grand, yeah, but yeah. It, that's very dangerous. Anyway, that's the first thing. Then was listening from county council, whatever's going on down there. Then he thought that out. That's very dangerous. People are stopping. Anyway, into town. Um, so I'm going. I'm going around the. I'm going around by the by, by the back of the the, the rail, rail station. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I'm going down by the river. The next thing. So on my left, the, the bus station is right. Yeah. So I'm in traffic on left. So there's one lad just decided to stop on the road on the right in the right hand lane, hazards on, two lanes of traffic in the middle of the second biggest city in the country. He just right flashing, just left there, right? And in a, in a lane of traffic. In 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 the right hand lane, which is even more like I suppose it's it's, it's a double lane. There's no fast and slow lanes in cities, but you know. Bush, like so therefore, he, there. he's double parked, flashing lights on. If you have to go yeah. around him, he's an idiot. He, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so he probably didn't have a C reg on the car, though. I'd say. I, I don't know. Maybe it would have been a KY one. You might have been happy with that one, but I, <laughs> I didn't look at the reg. I was just trying to get around him and not get plowed into by someone else flying along the other lane. Okay, right? so double, double, <laughs> okay, double parked in a lane of traffic with yeah. hazards on. It is. Yeah. So yeah. next, thing, I'm, I'm, I keep going. Right, I keep going, and I, I cross the bridge. Patrick's, is it Pat, yeah, Patrick's Bridge, go, you know, Patrick's Bridge is on my left, so I, I'm stopped there. I keep going through that. That's not too bad, right? That's a little bit more civilized. Um, get to the next one. First of all, I'm in traffic along there, and I'm near, I'm about three cars from, from the light, and the, the opera house is on my left hand side. Sitting there looking around, minding my own business, trying not for someone to plow into me. A fella comes down on, on the bus lane the wrong way on a moped, no bother to him, just zooming along, happy out with himself, happy with life. 
Zipping along there. Now, you know, a second now, you sure that was a, a bus lane? You, he possibly may have been in a cycle and moped lane. Well, but cycle lane. Boston is red. Maybe, am I wrong? Is there, is there a bus lane along there? It said Boston is kind of a red tarmac on the right side along Yeah, there. he's going, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. He is going the wrong way because even if so it was a cycle he, lane, it would he, be the other side yeah. of the road. So he's doing a kamikaze along there. I don't know how many accidents are in Cork every day or every okay, week. Well, he's yeah, a he, okay, well, right, he's so probably a, he's probably from Dublin, a UCC student on a moped. Well, you well, see. He, he would have had a feral journey bringing that moped down. Yeah, he's down probably studying down here, but he's not from Cork. <laughs> <laughs> right. No busy jacket on, by the way, either. So there you go. That's that's another thing. Okay. Right. So then this is the worst one. Like the the. The traffic lights in that square, you know, when you come over the bridge, you're, the, the upper house on your left, you go, because I'm going right to the I want to go Blackpool direction. And there's a big yellow box. And everyone and their father is parked in that yellow box. Like, as far as I'm aware, and people might not know this, you can only park in the yellow box if you turn right. Okay? Well, now, you, you can't off, go into the yellow box unless you can get out of it straight away. So that you're saying... Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So okay. There's, there, there's, there's, two, there's two cars there, and then there's a van pulled in, and then... So no one else can move then if the lights are going red and green and yellow and all the all the rest because no one can get can, can, can turn left, no one can turn right, no one can go. I want to go black food, but I can't because there's a van and two cars parked in the box. Fair enough. <laughs> so that was absolute mayhem. And then there's people at home listening to this. Ah, this is not too bad. Listen, there was a woman then decided when the lights did go green and all the cars, a woman then decided to stroll across the cars and not just stroll across. You know the run jog that Peter came in the joke about years ago. You know you're you're running, but you're pretending to run, but you're actually walking. You're actually going. <laughs> but she's going diagonally across the road, so to, to make it longer for her to cross the road, and then we still can't go. <laughs> I'm telling you how now. Do you, how do you? How else do you expect her to get across the road if the cars are all jammed up, the yellow box is full, the green man is probably on? And there's cars parking, there's, there's cars blocking her walking access to the road. So she has to dodge in and out of, of stopped if, cars. If, if I was her now, I would have turned around. Maybe that's home direction, but I would have just went home if I was her because it was absolutely crazy. And the, the rain was lashing. It was unbelievable. I, it was, now, to be fair, I think it was last Wednesday, so now the rain was bad all day. It didn't stop raining. I got soaked when I was out and about. Like, absolutely soaked. But then, right? So I went, but there's more, is there? Did my business in Blackpool, Algernon Grand, came back in then, and I was heading up McCurtain Street, and it was my first time up there in a couple of years, and, like, they've, they've changed it a bit, like, you can't really stop there now, and, you know what I mean, they've, they've done bits and pieces to it, and then another car then just parked out, just across from the hotel there, the, well, the Metropole, I don't know, is that the name of it? That's the, the Metropole, yeah. Well, this, yeah. Is this more cars just double parked? Another car just double parked there, a nice SUV, nice cock range, nice 211, SUV looking off, slicking you know, a nice, nice car, and your man sitting in there, not a bother on him, not a bother, happy with life, sitting in out of the rain with the hazards on, just stop there. And again, just this is there. an actual lane of traffic, and people have to go around him as well. The left lane of traffic. So I now I wasn't down the other side of the city, so I don't know what's going on down there. Maybe that's all roses and and hymns and choir singing, <laughs> and all really nice. But this side of town, man, I should go down there tomorrow. And I'm absolutely dreading it. It's going to be like a scene from Mad Max if I have to go through that again. I'm going to lose the absolute plot with these people. What is going on down there? <laughs> of course, there wasn't any guards inside or traffic cops oh, or, or, or traffic wardens. Nothing like that. Not, not, a, not, a, not a single one. 
Do you know the need? Do you know them lads over in Japan that stand in the middle of the road with the white with the white gloves and, and, yeah. and the whistle, and they're they're telling lads, "Are, are we going? Are we going to go back to that?" <laughs> where you, literally people have to have their hand held to number one, cross the road; number two, not to park in a box; number three, not to not to run a red light. I give you, I, I give you one tip though. There was absolutely if you were going to Blackpool and you came down the Dunkettle roundabout and came through and hooked a right and went up the the keys. There was no reason in the wide earthly world for you to have come into the city at all. You know that slip that you didn't like there? You should have taken oh, yeah, that. With, with, with 8,000 lorries parked along it and everyone trying to get in and out of the lane where it's further wrong. No, you should have taken that there. slip, gone up through Mayfield, down around the North Ring, and you'd have dropped down into Blackpool and you'd have seen none of the things that upset you. No mopeds, no lawlessness, no people double part, nobody in the yellow boxes, Mrs. Woman dodging in and out of the traffic. You'd avoided it all. That solves your problem. It solves your problem with your blood pressure. How many sets of traffic lights do you have in Leitrim? Uh, well, up, up to a couple of years ago, we only had one. But now I think we have two. There's one, uh, there was one up in Manor Hamilton there, up in North Leitrim, up in the hills. And then I think we got another one near Carrick, where I live. Um, but we've lost it now. We've lost the Pelican crossings now, where people actually do stop and let people cross the road. And we've roundabouts and you know, there's a civilization when you come back. Loads of Pelican crossings. It sounds as if you're very mannerly and well behaved. Well, we've lost it. We've lost the tourists coming through here, going up to, to Leitrim. Yeah, loads of them. Gee, match. There'd be piles here. Look. We've lost the lake up here, so no one likes their fishing and boats. Are they lost or something, the tourists? Did they take a wrong turn or something? Were they looking for? Were they looking for maybe? uh, I don't know. Yeah, they want to avoid road rage, right? Number one, they want to get out of the city like Cork and and come up somewhere where people actually park properly, where they actually let you out if you want if you if you want to come out of the junction. They're not going to not going to drive through red lights, even though we only have two of them. But I'm telling you now. Everyone's watching to make sure to get on. That's the most important thing. And uh, we do have lots of traffic here. Jenny Mac, you'd be, you'd be 40 minutes getting through carriage there on a Friday evening with all the people coming home from Dublin and all that. Like We're only an hour and a half from Dublin. We sound like <laughs> only, an hour, hour only an hour and a half from Dublin. An hour and, and a half. We're only up the road. I'm telling you, you, you could come down one day, go fishing, and you'd be chilled out. I, try, I had a go there at the Leitrim accent. Is there any chance you'd have a go at the Cork accent? Well, you see, I'd be kind of cheating because my father, Lord, Lord Reston, was from Norcock. So was he? I'd only be cheating, yeah. Oh, well, I take back so he, everything I said about you then. He used to, he, no, but see, that's the thing. He used to bring us down every Christmas shopping down in Cork. We'd go into Cummins Sports there. I don't want to name any names. And we'd let us pick out trainers. And we'd go to, remember, football crazy. Jeez, that was a great <laughs> shop. You couldn't get our soccer stuff. You had to come to Cork for your football boots. You poor misfortune. <laughs> yeah, come here. You know Neil Tobin, who was a well-known international superstar and a fabulous comedian? He was constantly mocking people from your part of the country. Not really Leitrim, more like Kiavan. Is, is Leitrim next to Kiavan? Leitrim, Kiavan, we have a lot of lakes. We're, we're, not too, we're not too far. Kind of Longford is kind of in the middle of it. Um, Longford, Leitrim and Calvin, not they're a bit more north, kind of. And is it a good north, place to go north. for a weekend break, like Leitrim? Are there things to do besides admire oh. your Pelican crossings? You would, you, it's paradise. Apart from West Cork now, which is absolutely beautiful, Leitrim, Carrier Channel, all around here, lakes, rivers, mountains. You, we have everything here. Good food, loads of places to park, <laughs> not nice hotels. Like I, I got married here. 
and all my cousins from Cork came up and they couldn't get over how good it was. All right, well, let that be let that be an invite an invite to people of Cork who might want to go to Leitrim for a weekend. Listen, say safe driving. Do stay in touch. You're a gas I'm man. Gonna get the tra- I'm going to get the train tomorrow. That's get it. The, done. No, just <laughs> use the North Ring. Drop down into Blackpool. <laughs> job done. <laughs> oh, I should I should be ringing you tomorrow. I could be ringing you Thursday about the North Ring day. Well, absolutely. <laughs> I'll be waiting for your call. All right, Steve. Good man. Sounds about. Cheers. Take Thank care. Lines open to one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You want to pick up on Cork's driving. Habits. Text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850 104 106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. I bet you that uh, Greta Thunberg didn't arrive by private jet to uh, COP26, but dozens of world leaders did. Not just them, but business chiefs, even eco activists, apparently. They're being called hypocrites for taking private jets or domestic flights, but taking flights anyway uh, to Glasgow. Mind you, I can tell you that the UCC delegates who travelled to the climate summit by uh, train and they travelled by boat. They did not travel in an airplane so at least they've got some cop on. Just on the subject of cop on actually it's clearly okay now uh, to shake hands and to hug again. At least that's the message that we're getting from world leaders because if you're following all of this whether it's Biden with the Pope shaking hands, I mean double-handed handy claspy shaking hands or Johnson and the rest of them hugging and shaking hands all over Glasgow. Um, I mean, you should be leading by example, shouldn't you? I mean, do they just have kind of brain freezes or what? And then you have Biden, um, Joe Biden. I mean, I've no real axe to grind with him. You know, I give everybody a bit of respect. But when he starts using drunken cliches about the Irish while claiming to be Irish, you got to wonder what camp is the guy in at all. Uh, Here's a small little clip of him uh, with the Pope. I'm the only Irishman you've ever met who's yeah. never had a drink. <laughs> Glad that the Pope found it funny because I don't think the rest of us did. Anyway, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text away six eight one zero four one zero six. But they all have passports, I suppose, and there's many that don't. That hasn't gone away, you know. Problems with passports. I'm still getting texts every single day. Tony, good morning. Did you recently see, I mean, was is it today, was it yesterday, people queuing outside the passport office? No, outside the motor tax office. The motor tax office. So that's the same situation there. Fiona's the one with the passport. I'll come to her in a second. Is it open? No. Okay. So, and, and they can't do it online, no? No, because it was a change, it was a new car, it was a change of ownership. And so you have to physically go then, do you? I have to go for the first tax. And what happens when they go? They just see a note on the door? Note on the door that the office is closed to photo notice, open appointments only. But there has and to they, be a way of doing it online, surely, be to God. Otherwise, cars can't well, go on the. You, you have no pin number for the first tax. Yeah, but are you sure that you can't process that online? Get yeah, the I pin. Asked the girl, I asked the girl above, and she said, "No, it must be done manually through her office." Who did you ask? What I don't want her name or anything. Jesse, oh, Fisk- I just pressed the buzzer and I got a lovely girl, actually. She said, "Isn't the dirt choice to have it close? It's management." No, I, I met a man that's travelling it from Rayland this morning. He just he's just gone away from the office, and he said he's never seen anything like it in his life. We're we're back to practically normal, and the motor tax office is closed. And are they inside? They're inside. Did they say how I'm, many of them are inside? I can't see because the door is actually locked. They're clearly working, though, in fairness to them, and processing and doing their job, but not for walk-ins. Like, are you saying to me, so that if if you buy a new car for the first time, for instance, right, and you get your insurance and you get the disc sent, 
and then you apply for the motor tax on a brand new car, you can't get a tax disc. No. Unless it's done by the garage. Unless the garage does it here. And they didn't do it in our case. And does that normally happen, that the garage would do it? I don't think so, no? I don't think so, to be honest. But the girl did mention that the garage could have, would have the facility to tax the car. Okay. We don't go into the office, but the individual doesn't. I just think, Neil, to be honest about it, it's an absolute disgrace. Yeah, it, it, well, I don't know about using the word disgrace because it's not the staff's fault. They're not the ones inside barricading the door closed. They're, they're just following orders, as the fellow says. But you would well, think well, at well, this stage, like, that with... Well, it makes a decision, Neil, obviously, that it affects people. You pack a car on Tom Road tax, you, 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 you get a fine from a warden, and yet you can't tax it. So there's something wrong with the system. What about all of the other parts of um, the civil service? Say, for instance, are the revenue office is open. Uh, we know that the I passport don't, I office don't is... Know that. No, I don't know that. I, I, I'm here a quarter of an hour and I'm after seeing about 20 people coming and going from the office in dismay that the office is closed this morning. In 15 minutes, 20 people going up to the door and off again? At least 20 people. In a quarter of an hour? In a quarter of an hour to 20 minutes. God only knows where they've travelled from. Well, I met a man from Leland. He said he's on the road since 10 to 8 this morning for traffic. And he's gone to bed. The man is in his 70s. He's shocked. Now, he puts his envelope into, into the box in the hall of the office. You have access to a box that you can put your documents in. But he said, I don't know, will I have the tax tomorrow? Will it be next week? Oh, OK. So at least you can drop off what you need. They'll process it and send you what you need. But under normal conditions where somebody would drive all the way from wherever they'd be able to get the tax disc straight away. Well, the biggest problem is if you park in town today and you have no valid disc on your car, you, you, you take the chance that you will get a fine. Ah, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Ah, yeah, so there's loads of them around. You're, like, you're, you're trying to explain to Warren, it's in the post, or it's... These guys have a job to do. Yeah, I, no, I, I would have thought... I, it, I'm, I, absolute, I, I'm dismayed that the office is closed and I actually can't leave... And the 2nd of November... The They're saying you don't need to go into the tax office for car tax or a new car tax. It's on the car registration form. It's the last six digits. That's your PIN. Are people aware of that? Yeah, I'm well aware of it. But the person I spoke to this morning was in the 70s. The man I spoke to. That man mightn't be computer literate. He mightn't yeah. be able to do it online. Well, they might not have a smartphone. I don't know the man's circumstances. Yeah, some, not everybody has smartphones. I mean, like, there's a lot of people who just want the physicality of doing business, whether it's a bank or whether it's the post office or whether it's renewing their car tax or whatever, the, their passport. They don't have a computer. They don't, a lot of people don't even have broadband. But this is a government statutory body. That's closed. Like, I, I don't know if it was highlighted on, on the radio that the office was closed or was it highlighted in the media. I certainly wouldn't have come out here this morning if I thought the office was closed. What are you there for? It was actually the tax and who Okay, and you weren't aware of the last... You know that long vehicle registration number that you have there on the... Um, on the book? On the book. It doesn't work for the first tax. Last six digits doesn't work for the first tax? No. No. Okay. All right. Okay. And I'm quite sure I'll get more texts. We, 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 we physically haven't got a book. Because the car was new. you got to wait for that. We have to wait for the book to come. We can take up to 21 days. So you'll be driving around in a brand new car for 21 days without tax, That's is it? it? That's it at the moment. You put some sort of a little piece of paper or something you get from the garage into it, isn't it? I don't know. Is it I, I think we, we justify home with it, to be honest about it, because... 
if you get a ticket, you're trying to explain, you have to go to a, a, a council office and you're trying to prove. And it's a lot of hassle attributed to that. Yeah, thing. I know, I know, I know. Okay. Well, like, well, I, I just, like, people who are at the office is closed at the moment just by appointment only. By appointment only? Or yeah, drop your stuff right. in the letterbox? You know, and what televised me to do is put your stuff. No, there's envelopes in the letterbox. I don't know whether there's checks or cash. I honestly don't know. But if people put cash, if you're paying by cash, and you put it in, into the into the post box or the box in the hall, you're at the mercy of the person that opens it, to be honest. Are you still there? I am. And are there still people rocking in and out? There is. There's cows coming and going. And people coming out now again in red man and red jacket coming up behind me. I'd say he's very annoyed, is he? People are just people can't believe it. All right, hold on there, Michael. Money. Uh, same situation. Were you out there? What's the deal? Absolutely. Yeah. There's uh, there's nobody there, Neil. They just won't answer the door. Effectively, they are inside. They are operating. But this is the only other crux, uh, Neil. Is that uh, if I go away and uh, I go down to the post office and I guess um, we we'll say I get uh, uh, not a made out for Cork City Council or Cork Motor Tax Office for hundred or hundred and six euros postal order. And I post it in. And then they, I wait 10 days or 11 days to get my tax in the post. I park my car inside in the mail today. I am liable to get a fine for a traffic warden you around are. the town. You are, yeah, because you don't have a valid tax disc on the vehicle. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. No, that is not my fault per se. These people are there. They are not open or they are not operating. And yes, they expect the people inside in all the supermarkets to meet the public head on, day in and day out. And they are in the front line. And yet these guys are in behind these doors and they are creating a situation where people could be fined as a consequence of their... Yeah, but don't be blaming the staff in the, either the motor tax office the or the passport. I am blaming the... I and why, blaming why do people allow, I suppose we're all guilty of it, but why do we allow our motor tax to run out before we renew it? Surely that should be something that should be done a couple of weeks before it runs out. Well, maybe not everybody would be on the same salary as you. No, I'm not, not saying that. You're going to... Ha- no, I'm just saying you're going to have to pay it anyway. So why Absolutely. not get the process going a couple of weeks before yeah, it runs out? But people are probably pinned down to a situation where financially they can't afford to be as prompt as they possibly would like to be. Good answer. Perhaps that is the case, that they're prioritising other bills. Good man. Yeah. May, isn't yeah. it, isn't there, is it kind of like um, an unwritten rule that you get a month after the disc runs out? Don't well, you? They kind of leave you alone for a month, don't they? If it runs out at the end of October, you have until the end of November to get the new one, No. Well, no. As they had a me one time, there was their discretion in giving to somebody being abroad on holidays that they might give them the benefit of two weeks or so. It's not a well, law, though, but I thought it's kind of an unwritten rule. Kind it's of. a discretion. It's a discretion. Is it? Well, it's a discretion you want meeting in kind from certain people around the town representing Cox City Council if they get the They may or may not, yeah, if they get the hope or something, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay, I would have thought in this day and age, by and large... And I accept that not everybody can. I mean, would it be fair to say that maybe people who are a little older wouldn't be savvy online and they're the ones that would go to the tax office or the motor tax office or that's, the that's passport right. office? And, and, and as, as a consequence of that, they are disenfranchised. They are, yeah, 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 they are, they are. Okay, chaps, thanks so much. We'll take some more calls on this. Thank you, Michael. Uh, thank you, Tony, for highlighting again. Tony's a regular contributor, good guy. Back after the break, text 0868 104 106. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 
1851-04106. Red FM. Back to the phone lines. Uh, Fiona, good morning. Good morning. First of all, my apology for keeping you on hold, but that other topic took off with the driving licenses, or sorry, car tax. But from car tax to the passport, tell us the story about your dad, Dennis. So my mum and dad were travelling to Dublin on Saturday to fly over to Edinburgh to see my sister and her new son. Oh, yeah. um, her grandson, newest grandson. Yeah. Yes, yeah, he's two, just over two weeks old. Um, dad came home, changed his pants, thought he had put his passport into his pants. Um, when they got, they got the bus into town from Douglas and then got the go bus up to Dublin and when they arrived in the airport, airport there was no passport no sign of the passport he did no. try to use his driving license at the Ryanair flight but they wouldn't have it no no they said that it was um, because of Brexit and it was the um, on the other side as in the English wouldn't allow him in without a passport so what happened I next? went I, mean, did they, I went, did, I went did, that was it that was the end of that flight did my your mum travel oh, God, yeah right. she did because my sister was expecting her over and did he have so, to get the go bus back to Cork then? So he thought that he hadn't transferred over the passport to his new pants and that it was just at home. So I booked a new flight for him for the next morning at half six, went over to their house, but there was no passport. It's literally as if it has just disappeared. Um, so when it wasn't there, searched the house, booked a bus for him to come back down to Cork. So he got the 11 o'clock go bus back down to Cork. Arriving in at half two. Half two in the day, half two at night? No, in the morning, in the morning. Wow. And then with the hour change then, that was half one. So he was walking over then to get a taxi and there was some girl, unfortunately, decided she'd stand on the bridge and thought about jumping in. So he managed to get her down and then there was a guy coming up and my dad thought he was with her and... um, left her go thinking she'd go with the man but anyway he wasn't with her so she tried again so eventually he got her back down again how did he do that did he talk her down did he chat with you about that he didn't actually say too much about it I'd say now he's just all over the place between everything um, so he was lucky then he had he was holding on to the girl and an unmarked guard car came along so they kind of took over then well so, fair play to him saved a life yeah, so then Amazing. obviously he went home and... Young girl, was she a young girl, did you say? He was young enough, yeah. So yeah, sad, isn't it? Oh my God. It is, God. it's very tough. Um, hopefully now she'll get the help that she needs. Awful. Awful. Yeah. Thank God so he was tried. Yeah. yeah, he was, uh, maybe it was meant to be that he didn't get on the flight, but um, yeah, he we tried to go Um they don't have it, went into bus air and then the guy came out with two passports and we were like, oh, brilliant, but it wasn't. Neither of the two of them were his. Um, Just on that point, if somebody's lost a tas- ta- passport and they were anywhere near a bus recently, there are two passports where in yeah, bus airing? Yeah, bus airing, yeah. In okay. Capwell. In Capwell, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. and he, uh, he he's very upset that not getting to see his grandson, I'd say, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's just, I don't know, it just seems to have disappeared. Like, I suppose the reason I came on was hoping that maybe somebody has found it and just didn't get a chance to do anything with it yet. And um, I'll come and collect it wherever it is. Uh, the, the, the other flight that you booked, is that for this week at some, some time, is it? So I had one booked for Monday 
Monday morning, no, Sunday morning, sorry, at half six in the morning from Dublin again. And then when the passport wasn't there, when I went over to their house, um, I changed it to tomorrow morning. So it's Wednesday morning at half six. Wouldn't um, it be superb? I mean, it's such a long, long shot, but wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if his passport would? It would be great. Up? Or I'd even book, like if it turned up in the next day or two, I'd book one for Thursday morning, Friday morning, just so you get to go over. Yeah, I know. Um, at this stage now, you've checked everything, all of his trousers, the whole house, you've torn it apart, checked everything, including yeah. the washing machine, the tumble dryer, all of his other pants, everything. Yeah, he had it on his bag, ready to go, and he reckons he put it into his back pocket. So it's lost of, out of the house, I'd say. It probably is, yeah. Lost out of the house. Now. Yeah. 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 I don't think he was robbed. Would you think he might have been robbed? No, I don't think so, okay. no. I okay. think it's just, it's fallen somewhere now, I hope, and someone just hasn't found it, unfortunately, yet. What's and a lost passport takes, it takes 10 days. Like, you could be lucky oh, no, if you're renewing your passport, but because the, it's lost. The slowest, the slowest of passports is the lost passport. Yeah. It just takes months. Yeah. Oh, it's unfortunate. Months. And do you mind me, all I know is Dennis, but do you mind me asking for a surname just in case yeah, somebody might have Dennis found it? Dennis McSweeney. Dennis McSweeney, passport. Yeah. Anybody came across it. And this is, of course, from last Saturday morning in and around anywhere between Douglas and the city and down around the Keys and things, isn't it? Oh, no, was, yeah. the go, was it the Go Bus? Was that the one from Parnell Place? Bus. No, from the Keys. From the Keys. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's, it's a long shot, but you'd never know. You'd yeah, look, I said, I, we've tried everything else. It was worth the, only upside, the only upside to this is that if he hadn't lost his passport and got on that flight, there's a chance that girl would have jumped into the river. Yeah, it just happened. He was in the right place at the right time. So it takes him, he should take, I'd say he takes a lot of consolation out of that, if nothing else. Exactly, yeah. Okay, okay. Dennis McSweeney, last Saturday That's morning it. between Douglas and the Keys. Let's see what happens, Fiona, okay? Okay, perfect. Thanks, million. Okay, cheers for now. Take Thank care. Thank you. Uh, it's an added pain in the backside actually that people are having to travel up to Dublin for flights, simple flights and particularly elderly people having to travel on buses and get flights over to, I think it was was it Edinburgh? Because uh, Cork Airport is closed. Lines open at one 106 Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now 086-8104-106 Red FM. And people are texting and many of them are agreeing with uh, Steve from Leitrim who says that we're shocking drivers down here in Cork on a recent visit to the city. Do you agree or disagree? Does our driving leave a lot to be desired? Text 086-8104-106 We're demons for driving in the middle of the road and God knows as to why we drive in the people drive in the middle of the roads going around bends certainly in country roads incidentally Fiona just a quick one uh, texter correctly points out that you need to check with Garda stations as well and a few come to mind with regards to the the trek that your dad took from Douglas into the Keys you should be checking with Anglesey Street Garda station they may have it maybe Douglas Garda station has it perhaps Toker Garda station has it those three spring to mind but pick up the phone or even call in uh, and visit them because you'd never know if you have some time in your hands get that done Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Lots of texts on the first Christmas song yesterday. I just got all the Halloween decorations down and just now after your Christmas song stunt, 
I've been told to put up the Christmas decorations. Daddy, it's Christmas. So uh, if you were up in the attic bringing up the Halloween, I assume people still keep things in the attic. You should have just brought the Christmas stuff down anyway. Uh, no way, Jose. It's way too early for songs like that. Wham has just cheered me up, though. Well, you see, which is it like? Is it too early or do you feel great hearing them? Do you get a, an adrenaline rush? Um, when are the Christmas lights being turned on in town? <laughs> Thank you for getting the ball rolling, says Peter and Cargilline. Fair play. I think we should celebrate Christmas twice. November 25th and December 25th because the 25th one might be cancelled hardly. Brilliant. Fair Jews. Good man. You're a ledge. Might put up the Christmas tree today. Love the shows as Mary Jane. No harm playing Christmas songs too early. It's a happy crime isn't it? Sure I'm already eating my Easter egg says Noel. Burp. Uh, it's Eamon Ryan Neal is recommending the song Driving Home for Christmas be changed to Cycling Home for Christmas. And one more. What's going to be uh, what is going to be second-hand value of... Oh, sorry, that's not that's not the do with Christmas. That's a different one with regards to car values and buying electric cars. But it's a story that keeps on giving playing the Christmas song yesterday. And it actually started on breakfast yesterday morning uh, when I was challenged. I played the first Christmas song on Red yesterday after I was challenged by Ray and Laura. Uh, but would, we were all wondering then, would Ray uh, stick to his word and play something festive on the breakfast show this morning? And everybody was wondering. Do you know what we should do? Go on. We should do, I was thinking, because Marymount is on the front of the, uh, is on the front of the examiner this morning, right? Yeah. I was thinking, because they're doing a big uh, charity cycle thing, yeah, Marymount, uh-huh. for fundraising for Marymount. If if we can get our listeners to pledge a grand for for Marymount, I'll play Mariah Carey for, okay. before nine o'clock this morning. Provided, hey, we can do this. Provided we get the pledges. If we don't get the pledges, I'll leave it until tomorrow or until we've got enough pledges that we hit a, a thousand euro. How about that? Okay. Okay. That's good. That's fair. I like it. And Neil will be raging now because that's a great idea. Thank you. Very. That's. Do you know what? All of my ideas are the <laughs> the motivation behind my ideas is to make Neil raging. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> my, own, my own point. I pledge 50 euro for Marymount, says Tanya. Tenner for Marymount from Cathy. Chloe Murphy and Carrie Galine. Tenner for Marymount. Tenner for Marymount, no problem from Louise Fitzgibbon. 20 euro from Patrick Patrick McCarthy. Uh, 100 euro from somebody else. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Uh, I don't want a Christmas song, but I'd still donate 20 euro from <laughs> Alan. <laughs> and the pledges came flying in. But our boss here at Red FM, Dermot, mustn't be a fan of Christmas songs in November because he messaged Ray and Laura and threw a right old cat amongst the pigeons, I can tell her. Our boss, Dermot O'Leary, is just, uh, well, just WhatsApp me and uh, he says, I'll pay two grand not to play one. Oh, <laughs> oh dear mates. But you see, the thing is, if I don't play two, if I don't play it, dear mates, you're paying two thousand euro to Marymount Hospice for yeah. to not play the song. I'm I'm down with that. It's two thousand euro for for yeah, the hospice. Exactly. That's what an expensive think? morning for Dermot. <laughs> he just says fine. He said fine. Oh, on WhatsApp. Oh, all right. I guess we're not playing Mariah then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the real story here is that the boss of Red FM has two grand to just throw around like that, but to a good cause nonetheless. So a bit of a Sophie's choice going on here now at this stage. Does uh, Ray and Laura hold out to see if they make a grand or two grand or whatever? Or do they take the two grand from the boss and just knock it on the head? I can tell you the boss's money was safe because 1,600 euro was pledged and Ray, <laughs> finally... Although 24 hours late because we bait him to it. He played his first Christmas song, but it was the second Christmas song on Red FM.
we have raised in pledges 1,640 euro for Marymount okay. Hospice. Marymount.ie, this 1,000... Now, don't forget, do, do, this whole pledging business, you have to go and do it now. Get onto their website, marymount.ie, and give the money. And by the way, we are done now with Christmas songs until the end of November, okay? okay. It was all fun and games, but we're done. It's not like you're going to be getting one every day or anything like that. Wait until the toy show, and then, then, it's, uh, okay. then it's first horse out of the gates once again. I have to say uh, that really you beat me with regards to the pledges to Marymount. That was an inspired idea. So really all credit due to Ray and Laura for that one. 1,640 euro uh, pledged to Marymount. Is the two grand off the table now from DOL, from Dermot? I assume it is. It's not like 3,640 now. <laughs> but anyway, that was uh, a good fun and undoubtedly he'll be back with more. The lad's just preoccupied with this programme. That's not a bad thing. There are a lot of people like that, so keep it coming. A lot of fun. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Dave. Um, you wanted to pick up on a story that I referred to this morning, which was a pup scam. Uh, €183,000. Two have pleaded guilty to conspiracy to um, actually getting €183,000 uh, by um, faking pup claims. Was that right? Yes, it was a very well thought out plan. It wasn't something that they came up with in the spur of the moment. Um, what I'd like to see is I'd like to see these people, if they do get a sentence, when they finish the sentence, being repatriated back to um, Nigeria. Why is that? Uh, I think they're Irish citizens now. I think I read that they're Irish citizens. I don't know. I read the echo as well. They are known. I'm not sure if you said that or not. Um, but... The mere, fact, the mere fact is that we've had a lot of people come in claiming asylum reasonably well looked after in this country and that's the way they thanked people then. That was a very well thought out plan. It was very well thought out because what they started to do and I'll get the court reports on it again now but what they started to do was they started sending people out emails pretending to be I guess from something like the Department of Justice saying that you're being called for jury duty. We need your name, address, date of birth and your PPS number. And something like 60 odd people sent it to them. So there's 60 different pop claims straight away. Um, and then on top of that then they started getting in touch and using the details of people who would never be claiming a pup because they worked through lockdown, you know, public servants, for instance, working from home, um, you know, different people like that. Uh, and they also made pup claims through their names and addresses. They figured at one stage, um, this is a big international, it's a Nigerian crime gang, actually, overseas. They figured that they could have made up to a million but the cops twigged it. They stopped a guy in a car. He was behaving very nervously. Are you aware of all of this? Yes, I read the echo this morning. Yeah. At so did they find that he had two passports in the car or something, neither of which were his? Wasn't that it or something like that? Yes, I wonder what the Irish passports. I have no idea, pal. I don't Doesn't know. Doesn't say in fairness then, the guards started an investigation and all this unfolded then. They managed to get back 32,158 from various bank accounts, which was frozen. But the rest of it um, went overseas and will never come back again. Well, no, there was one. I'm living in Middleton. He was a taxi driver. He was doing quite well. He had five children. I'm sure he was getting any loans that was being paid out. So he wasn't on the breadline. I don't know what the guy in 
There was another guy from Ballin College. I don't know which one. No, was a taxi driver, but they weren't in the bread line, so to speak. Uh, my point being is that one of them, one of them, most the definitely time. now is um, an Irish citizen. I believe the other one, m- not sure about that. He is in a relationship with an Irish citizen, but one of them is an Irish citizen. Yeah, but if they, if they get imprisonment, no, Neil, which they deserve anyway, right? Who's who's looking after their uh, partners and their children? Only uh, the state, the taxpayer. Well, t- you know, th- they are they are innocent bystanders to this and need to be looked after. Well, the judge, you don't judge, know judge who th- th- what? You don't know who uh, well, no, listen. Can we just de- can we just deal with the two that were before the court and yeah. not, not their friends, relations, or children? The judge has remanded both of them in custody, so they're not free. And they'll be sentenced on November tenth. You will be so, you will be expecting so. a prison sentence, would you? Yes, rightly so. They're not freed, Neil. Rightly so. Um, if you do a bit of research, you'll find that the, a lot of the scams that have been dug in this country for years have originated in parts of Africa. No, not all of them. I could also give you a not load of... Not all. I could I give you a load of court all. reports from Irish people who are scamming the system. I, I won't say much I, about this, but there's a fellow before the courts say. at the moment and he's from Cork and he has admitted... Hold on, hold on a second. Wait, no, well, let, let me just answer your point. There's a man before the courts this morning. He's a Cork man and he has... Not this morning, but he's a Cork man and he has uh, admitted to a one million euro social welfare fraud. It was going on for 33 years. He was claiming the pensions of his two dead parents. Yes, and he should get prison as well. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens there because that'll also be back for the courts. But the, the mere fact fairity needs to be seen. Like, people who've come in as asylum seekers, the majority of them have been treated quite well in this country. Now, if you take it in proportion of the amount of people that came in as asylum seekers and look at the amount of serious crimes that a lot of them have been involved in, it's, it's frightening. There are other fraudulent claims as well of pop payments from Irish people. I mean, we okay. know that. Yeah, we know that. But we are talking about people that came in, and that's the way the taxpayer, the Irish public, has been repaid by them. They came in looking for help. They got the help. Only, to, but this is two of them. Like it's not the entire. Uh, it's not they, the entire community of people who've come in from overseas or perhaps came they, through direct provision. A lot of people have come in from overseas. A lot of people have come in from overseas. A lot. We're not talking about two at all. If there's two, I wouldn't even have phoned you. Two before the court, ta- I'm saying. We're talking about a lot of people. And just remember, Neil, this country has been quite good at sending money abroad. Yeah, that's to people who perhaps perhaps need it. There, I mean, maybe an argument that people we that need, we shouldn't be sending that, it, but that's for another day. But the, the people that the, need the money don't ever get it. Let me tell you that they don't ever get it. This is an international Nigerian crime gang, crime gang of which yes. these two guys were were connected with. They're, so that makes them criminals, right? It doesn't mean that yes. you see. I, I accept a point that you might be making indirectly that. It doesn't do any favours when people are trying to, you know, um, you know, defend people who come in overseas as asylum seekers and refugees and want a new start. It, it, it doesn't help their cause when, they, when people read stories like this, you know? Well, let me put it like this. Joe Biden made a remark to the Pope that nobody liked. Nobody that's Irish liked. Joe Biden is not Irish. He might have been of, of Irish descent. Nobody liked that. He was tearing 
Oh, there, with the same brush. Yeah, I know. Which we are not. It was a stupid remark. It was a thick remark. It was a dumb thing for him to he's say. He's done that since he took up the presidency. He's done that a couple of times. But all we can do with these two characters is um, give them the due process of law, bring them before the code courts. They have pleaded guilty. They'll be up for sentencing. Let's see what happens with sentencing. But the only thing that you want after that is that they're deported, is it? You don't want to close the borders or anything. You just want them kicked out. I think that's what should happen. Anybody breaking the law come in from another country because I don't know about you, I've been in nearly every major city in Europe and I know I know from experience that you cannot do something out there and get away with it as easy as you can here. I'd say few enough people would, would disagree with you in that regard. Deport after yes. sentence. Not not it's before true. sentence, no, after sentence. Because yes. why wouldn't you why wouldn't you kick them out before they serve time here, it would save us more money than having to look after them in jail. Well, well, basically, Neil, if you if you take the British system and the British only pulled out of Europe uh, over a year ago, their system was they'd stop most of the people at at, at the barber barber mm. control. Yeah, yeah. We we seem to be lacking in that. There's there may be genuine people coming in. There's a lot of people come in, they're not genuine people. And would you say the same if it was an Eastern European and not somebody from the African continent? Anybody. Anybody okay. from any country. And I would I would expect the same, the reverse to happen to Irish people in other countries if they break the law. Okay, let's see if we get any we've response to Irish, We've seen Irish people being deported from other countries. Here's one for you. I totally agree with uh, Pad. If you cannot behave in the country that saves you from terrorism, then you cause uh, and then you cause harm to people that save you. Then you have to make sure it sends out a message to others that think they can come here and do the same thing. So there's not this. Another, but mind you, another one. Yeah. Well, here's the message. Here's another one who, unfortunately, doesn't agree with you from your perspective. This fellow should be ashamed of his life going on air, tiring whole groups of people with the same brush for the sins of a few clowns. Yes, or for the sins of a few, he's a clown. I didn't tell everybody. Joe Biden told everybody. Right. Everybody that was Irish. It shows actually how, how easy it was to defraud the pop scheme, wasn't it? I know that it was brought in very quickly and it was an emergency payment, but it certainly seems to have been uh, easily manipulated, certainly in this case. Um, again, let me remind... Thank you for that. Listen, Pat, see if we get more responses to it. I know okay. I'll be chatting with you later in the week regarding the Hollybow. Can I also just say, because he's got a lovely letter on the Hollybow, so I'm, I'm working my way through it at the moment. Can, thank you to John. Yesterday I was talking about the Hollybow on the air, but I never mentioned who sent me copies of the Hollybow. It was John from Twilight News. Uh, so thank you for that. Hand-delivered half a dozen copies of the Holly Bar yesterday. Thank you, John. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Actually, the ma'am, the mother of the young girl who attempted to take her own life uh, on Patrick's Bridge in Cork recently. Remember, Dennis, who had to come back from Dublin because he didn't have his passport and was chatting with his daughter on air? Well, the mother of that young girl uh, was listening this morning to Fiona on air with me and she would like to thank Dennis McSweeney for saving her daughter's life. And we're going to put the two of them in touch because she wants to do that and have a chat with them and thank her herself so I'm happy to be able to do that for you and make it happen I hope that your daughter is well and hopefully getting the the help that she needs so she doesn't find herself in a situation like that again but um, 
regards to you. So appreciate that. From yesterday's program on a spiking of drinks. A lot of texts on that, which I will get to, but I'm just conscious of calls as well. So I'll read the text in a few minutes' time. Uh, you need to be very wary when you're out and about now, particularly as we're heading into, you know, socializing across the back of November and all across December, hopefully. But Shauna, good morning. Hi. You were spiked, you're saying, some years ago. Many years ago? How long ago? Uh, it was in 2001. Okay. And was there something dropped into your drink, do you think? Uh, oh, no, it definitely was. Uh, I ended up in hospital. I was that bad. Um, so I know for a fact I was definitely spiked. Like the doctor came back and said to me, only for you were drinking orange juice. They said, had you been drinking alcohol, you might not be here. Did they check your bloods or something and find something in your bloods? Yeah, they done. Oh, they done everything because I was a young girl being brought in by my two friends who happened to be two males. They checked. They done a whole everything, and they could do. They done, and they came back and they said you were. I can't remember the names of drugs. But there was two drugs dropped into my drink, and it was just orange juice, like that I was drinking. And how much of it do you recall, or was it your friends told you? Do you on, on that night? What, what do you remember? I remember. I remember getting dressed, going out, arriving, and getting an orange. I only remember buying one orange juice, and I said to my friends, "God, I really don't feel well." And they said, "Maybe it's the antibiotics you're on. Maybe go home." So I said, "Yeah, I might." So I went to walk down the stairs at the pub to go out to get a taxi and they were like we'll walk with you but I couldn't even stand all of a sudden I just fell and the next thing I remember was kind of vaguely starting to come around in the hospital I had no clue what happened You must have got a terrible fright when you came around inside in the hospital bed Yeah that scared the life out of me literally like even now I'm very very careful as to what I drink and who like I won't even take drinks off people that I only know do you know that way How but long like, was it before now, you came round do you know They said it was about 12 hours that I'd gone in there I think they said about half 10 and then I didn't actually leave the hospital till the following evening how did you so feel when you woke, when you came round? Did you have a thumping headache? Oh, or? horrendous! I didn't know what was going on. I was dizzy. I felt sick. My head was like it wasn't even like a headache. It was like a severe migraine. Even to open my eyes was painful. Isn't that unbelievable? You can be damn sure that had nothing to do with your antibiotic. You were only drinking no. orange juice, so it had nothing That's to do. It. You know, it's not as if you had a few jars on board or mixed with the medication. None of that applies here. Exactly, yeah. That's it. Anybody go back and check CCTV of that night? Um, or were, you, were they, were they able to pick you out in the crowd? Did. The guards were able to go back and they did get someone for it. Now, I didn't ask for details because even now I wouldn't ask for details because it actually scares me. And I know I'd avoid people that age group or sex if I did know so I was like no I'm just going to go now I went for counselling stuff around because it really hit me hard and then afterwards I was like right I just have to be really really careful when I'm drinking who's in my company like even now if I leave a drink on the table to go to the bathroom that drink goes in the bin when I come back I will not finish that drink isn't that an awful way to have to Live your life. It's, I just find it terrifying. Like, and I have three young sons. That was 20 years ago. And here, here we are still, yeah. 
20 yeah. years ago. So when you hear of people's drinks still being spiked and now the use of needles and hypodermics, how does that make you feel? It terrifies me. Like, as I say, I have three boys and the thoughts of them going out for a drink actually gives me panic attacks. It terrifies me. And even my eldest, I'd be like, are you home? Are you on your way home? Are you, yeah. Where are you going now? Like, And it's only from my experience that I'm scared. Like, they've never, nothing's ever happened to him. But for me, I find it terrifying. And even on a night out, unless I'm with someone I trust with my life, I'll be nervous. I think, you know, when I'm listening to your story and as much of it as I can gather from you, thank you for it. There's one upside to this. Uh, I know it was an awful thing that happened, but if you hadn't collapsed while you were still with your friends and had gone home and left them and collapsed outside, um, this person who spiked you, I don't want to give you any added nightmares, may have been the one that rescued you in inverted commas. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, that, that's it. Like, and I have to say, like, I don't, we don't see the other lads anymore. They've moved away. But I'll be forever grateful to them because only they know is told on the something weird about, I don't know what I was doing weird. I was obviously doing something and they went, no, that's not right. She's just had orange juice. Fair play and they went, them. hold on, we'll walk you out. And that only four they decided to do that. I don't think I'd have even made it to the door. Like Fair play to them. And while you don't know much about it, you're saying Gardy picked this person. Was it a male? It was. Picked him out on CCTV. Do you know if they prosecuted him? Did you give a statement? I don't know if it was male or female. They just said that they have... That basically, they're serving time is all I heard. Gotcha. Because yeah. I was just... To be honest, even now, I'd be scared. You don't want to know. You don't want to know. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's just, for me, it's just, it would put my mental health in jeopardy yeah, if yeah. I knew. So it's, for me, we're having three kids to look after. It's not worth finding out, you know, that way when I can live happily enough looking after them the way I am. I know, I know. Well, I hope that resharing the story hasn't affected you. You're very brave to chat with me about it and to let people know that they just need to be so, so cautious you know what this call helps one person it's going to be worth it gotcha gotcha thanks Shauna thanks so much look after yourself no problem at all all the best take care Veronica says it happened my daughter a few years ago lucky enough luckily enough I was out the same night and managed to get her home it was her first drink of the night she couldn't stand she couldn't speak one of her friends rang me to let me know a lovely taxi driver took us home and helped me carry her to the front door I stayed up all night watching over her it took her a few days to become right from it it's frightening to see Uh, what it can do to a person. Sharon says, my partner got spiked at my best friend's 30th. He was drinking bottles of buds. A man who was spiked, he was drinking bottles of bud. He started saying mad stuff to me, acting very peculiar. And then he got sick on the way home to my friend's house. His heart was racing all night. He got sick the the next morning as well. He threw up again at lunchtime as he insisted he he take the long bus journey home. Um... I told him to go to his doctor when he got home and he did the following day. His drink was definitely spiked and the doctor said only that he was so fit he could have died. I'll never forget it. He was hallucinating for a week. He said he was glad it didn't happen to me or any of my close friends. Be careful out there. This happened 16 years ago in a new pub at the time in Dublin. It's equivalent to horse tranquilizers. That's the drug they use. Rosari says, I was spiked once when I was about 18. It was 8 p.m. We weren't long in the pub. I had maybe two drinks. One minute I was fine. The next 
I couldn't stand up, falling around and puking. I managed to ring my dad and he collected me. That was at 8 p.m. I went home, passed out on the couch. My family had to practically lift me to bed. I have no memory whatsoever of my dad collecting me until the very next day. That's when my memory came back. Everything else is lost. It was terrifying when I realized what happened. Thank God I had some bit of sense in me to ring my dad. Sandra says, that's awful. Uh, Same thing happened to a guy I dated in my teens. I went to the bar, got the drinks. Someone spiked the pint thinking it was mine. I had a bottle with my thumb over it and he took three mouthfuls from his pint and got dizzy. Blessed we were with with friends who knew what to do to help him. Otherwise, we would have had to go to A&D. Uh, and that's just a selection. There's lots more besides. Back after the break on 1850-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. So I'll come back to text between now and quitting time this morning. I read a marvellous article actually. Marvellous because it was very open and honest and, and from the heart. It was Siobhan O'Connor who wrote a column um, in, well I read, read it on RSVP Live and she was just making the point um, that, you know, rearing children, particularly smallies, can be tough and that, uh, you know, if people were to be honest about it, like say for instance a survey that she quoted out of a, a German survey that said that uh, 70% of parents uh, said that um, their happiness decreased significantly after their first childbirth. Um, she goes on then to talk about um, uh, issues involving the mental exhaustion, the physical exhaust- exhaustion of, of rearing kids. Um, but one of the quotes actually in the article said, I have loads of childless friends and when I hear they're heading to Ibiza and on spa weekends, a little part of me dies each time with envy. Siobhan joins me by phone. Morning. I sound awful. No, you don't, don't actually. I thought it, I thought it was a very open, honest um, <laughs> admission admission of how you and and perhaps others feel. Yeah, I I absolutely you know, and I know I've been told in the past before I had children that you die for them, like Ryan Reynolds said before as well. You know, he'd use his wife as a human shield to protect his children. We adore them, we love them, but the grueling nature of parenthood. I think we're trying to do far too much now. I think back in the day, I remember in my mom's time, you know, it did take the village and we all kind of used to, there was no fear of asking for help. Now it's almost, we're nearly, we're trying to be all things to all people. And I think that leads to the unhappiness (laughs) from time to time, not always. And is it unhappiness for both partners? I think so. But what happens is you've so little support really in terms of the village is sort of gone. Everyone's busy with their own things. I mean, you can ship them off to activities, but that will cost you a fortune. That whole whole mentality of, you know, and like grandparents, by and large, they're not going to step in and rear your children for you. I do know loads of people who rely heavily on the grandparents. They do. I mean, there are a proportion of grandparents that pull their weight as best they can, but... It's terrible, really, though. They reared their children and now they're doing it again. (laughs) But then, you know... I, I feel that, you know, what happens is we take it, and myself and John have openly spoken about this, myself and my partner John, and we have a, a family site called Are We Nearly There Yet.net where we, we talk openly all about the struggling of parents. But, and we've got tips up there for how to combat it. But, you know, we've openly chatted to each other about how, and I think this is healthy, how we have become each other's punch bag. Mm. Because, we're so wrecked that we take it out on each other. And I think that leads to the bulk of the unhappiness. Now, of course, we're in the in the main absolutely ecstatic that we have our healthy children. And if you think of the likes of my friend Rosanna Davis and the people like that have struggled with fertility, I don't mean for one second to say, I mean, obviously, it's, it's the best thing in the world. But just to be honest and say, look, 
call it out. It's tough. Can we just get the village back? Can we lean on? Like, I, I lean now a, a little bit on my neighbours and um, it's working out a treat this week. I noticed during midterm, you know, because I was working and the, and the kids were there constantly. And then the week before that, Neil, we had the vomiting book. So that led to unhappiness as well. I was like, I've got it now. <laughs> so, I know. I just you know, wonder, I just wonder, are people, dads and moms, ill-prepared for parenthood in the sense that you know, we think, oh, it's going to be great and we look at it through rose-tinted glasses and then the reality hits in of, you know, sleepless nights and colic and runny noses and runny nappies and your freedom's curtailed. I don't mean that in a selfish way, but there's, you know, it leads to stress and and I I wonder, do people know that that comes with the package? No, because you're so biologically excited about it. So something happens in the female brain. I remember having a chat with my John at a, uh, a lovely early bird we were having. And I said, oh, gosh, I'm dying for kids. And he was shocked because he already had kids. And he said, oh, Jesus, you know, no, 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 we'll never be able to do this again. I said, don't be silly. My mom will mind them for the early bird. And he got hysterical saying, no, 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 this won't happen again. And, and I thought that for some reason, I thought that there'd be this sort of plethora of people willing to queue up to mind them. <laughs> and there wasn't that. That's one thing that doesn't happen. So uh, that's one reality of it. And I think as well... We have that biological urge, especially the women, that we want the baby so badly. Not everybody. And then that we that first year, there is a, a scientific term for it as well, that happiness bump, that new birth-born thing. And I'm um, glad my sister lives in Canada. She's pregnant at the moment. But she's not does, to that, does that wear uh, off, does it? Apparently, some research I did suggests that that newborn year, that lasts a year. And then the reality kicks in. Now, I would obviously go to the ends of the earth with my children. They, I love them more than anything. But, you know, there is that sort of reality of, gosh, it's it just, it can be quite hard. And, and do relationships, do race relationships change then when, when a baby comes along? Um, I mean, would you say that partners start resenting each other, point scoring, watching how often one goes out over the other, they're not pulling their weight, mammy's exhausted, you're not doing your bit. Do you think that goes on as well? Yeah, one of my best friends who separated from her partner said, we just we just kept competing about who was doing the most. So it's good to hear these things from people who don't succeed in the relationship to learn from it. And I do think you'll end up having such crack when you get to go out on that night out or that weekend away. So there is the other side of the coin. You start appreciating things a lot more. But you do tend to do that one-upmanship, I think, of who did what. Oh, gosh, you got to do that now, so I'm doing this tomorrow. Even as much as the gym, I get up at half five to go to the gym so that I can kind of get that out of the way before then it becomes you know a battle of the time and that's another thing that we don't realise no, in no in no book Half five to no. fit it into um, like minding the children and, and working as well Exactly, yeah but I just love getting up to just get it out of the way and I meet my friends there so it's a social aspect as well and then you're not in anyone's time because nobody's up But do you, but, do you look do you get opportunities to look forward to meeting your friends of a social evening or uh, you know a, a long yeah. weekend away w- without the kids? Well, you see, I was breastfeeding Neil, like, you know, for so many years that it, <laughs> and then COVID hit. So realistically, we haven't really done anything like that again. But yeah, you do. You have to do that, don't you? You have to have your own time. And that's another thing that I wrote about before in the in the in my real mammy column at the mirror about you know burnout. And I did this fantastic burnout solution course with Siobhan Murray. She's a psychotherapist. Because what happened is, I think over COVID with the, with the parenting, the homeschooling, I think it got worse. The unhappiness. Of course, it was great in the end. We're all, we're all safe, we're all alive. But 
there is. We, I think we just need to be a bit more honest about it and ask for help. That's the biggest. But who do you? But who do you ask? ask help. Who do you ask? Well, I have a fantastic. My mum is fantastic. And my neighbour is fantastic. But you can't overdo it. So you can't. You can't keep going think, back to the well. You can't. I don't think so. I don't think that's fair. And then you have to pay the babysitters, which we know are extortionate. I mean, you, you nearly babysit yourself because it's so expensive. Do you think so that you it leads, you know, the stressfulness and everything that comes with rearing small children, that it leads to divorce or relationship breakup? Yeah, I've heard that before from a very good friend of mine. I think it leads, I think a lot of people end up staying with their kids until they're older and then finding themselves again and, you know. But who files for the divorce, if I wonder? Do, if, you do love, if you do love each other, you're going to make it work. But it's a different type of love when they come along, you know. Because it might also it might also be connected into financial strain of children, mightn't it? They're very expensive, aren't they? I mean, is there research out there saying <laughs> very expensive? <laughs> is there research out there saying how much it would cost it costs to rear a child? Like, is it? I think there was, there was something I, I haven't written about this myself, um, but wasn't there some research done there a while ago, like 150 grand per child, or is that even more? Or is it even more? I don't know. We, we should research that probably. 150 grand thing. per child to what? 18 is it? I think something like that. I mean, it's 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 it is huge. There was they did a great. They did a great piece on that a couple of years back. I remember reading it. Well, I think the the happiness outweighs the unhappiness. I mean, we can't be all doom and gloom here. But, but, I, for, I do but think for which sex, though? I mean, does having children change a man's life as much as it changes a woman's life, I wonder? Do you know why I think the women are suffering more working from home? They tend to hear them more. We must have something, that biological thing that moves to the, to the prefrontal cortex of your mind. Now, psychologists will know more on this. But that nurturing thing, women have that in spades. Men, I think, can switch off. Would you agree, Neil? No, I don't. I hear, uh, you mean a crying child? Not only would I hear oh, my own kids crying, I hear everybody else's kids crying. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just because you're irritated by it. Maybe it's the word <laughs> irritation. <laughs> but you think that, would you think that secretly then, there are women out there who regret having children but would never admit it. Well, that TV show I mentioned in the column and on RCP, and I've talked about this on, on our site, Are We Nearly There Yet? Um, it's Baby Hater. You know Joanne McNally, the comedian? She's fabulous. I love her. And she just said on this, I don't want kids. And then she knows people in it talking about their, their regret of it. These were American, though. We haven't heard an Irish side. I would say there are... I'm not one of them oh. because I'm I'm calling it like it is. I think you need to be open and honest and then you will get to where you're supposed to be with it. Because there are articles where women express regret. They're being called they'd be called selfish or unnatural or yeah, be called yeah. abusive yeah, terms like bad moms and things. They're whining. Yeah, have you even heard have you even heard of like women giving out about other women who don't want to have kids? I think that's awful. I have a good few uh, people as, as I mentioned that are that never wanted to have children and People have often sort of suggested that that's selfish. I think that's actually the opposite because there's enough children in the world. I interviewed Mary McAvoy, you know, Biddy from Glen Row. Yeah. I had a great chat with her a while back. And she was talking about the fact, look, I'm mad into the environment, into climate change. I don't, I didn't want to rear children to add more to the effects of climate change. You know, we, we do need less people as well. So there, there is a lot, there's a lot to be said for not having them. But then yet women who, just, who choose not to have them are dubbed selfish or they're dubbed you know, um, they're missing out. 
I, I mean, I personally think the children in the end give you a lot more. They give a lot back. But you need to admit as well that there are times when it's going to be making you a little bit unhappy and making you a bit envious of those who get to go out and go to Ibiza and, you know, go on a weekend away. And what's wrong with saying that? Or meet a friend, meet meet a friend at the drop of a hat. But you know, you talk about you know some of the aspects and reasons why somebody may choose not to have children. Some of that could be a career decision. Do you do you ever sit down and think about being a mother holding a woman's career back? Um, is, is, yeah. Does um, that is that another implication of having children? I think, if I'm honest with you, it's going to make me rise a bit <laughs> because I feel that. They are now making me want more in my career to show them that you can do it. I mean, I remember interviewing Rosanna Davidson on this and she's like, now I know she's totally different because she, she's huge following on her fabulous sites and everything that she does. Her no, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know about her lifestyle, but when I hear of these, you know, very, very, very successful, famous people, and I'm not talking about her, a lot of them usually come with a handful of nannies, you know? Oh, aren't they so lucky? And, but, they um, ha- but they have opinions that don't actually apply to the real world because they have baby minders and nannies and nurses and everything traipsing around after them. Wouldn't you love it? <laughs> Wouldn't you love like a nanny for an hour? <laughs> I think the normal folk of normal folk, you know, we do, we're not, I mean, there isn't the village anymore. The, the nannies, I suppose, are the new village or the crash. I've never had mine in crash, so we've joined, we were slightly different in the fact that myself and my partner have, have joined reared them. Um, and I think that maybe the crash is another mortgage as well. So I just feel that it probably does diminish your career opportunities when they're small. But by God, you've got more ambition because you know how to multitask. And I know there's no such thing as actual multitasking, but you know how to be more efficient in the sense that you start becoming extremely quick at doing everything. And you just... I don't know what happens to you. You're kind of on. But you must. You know yeah, but being extremely quick and multitasking must lead to exhaustion and and you know being tired all it, of the it, time. It, yeah, it can. Like I'm on holidays this week from my mirror job, and I, I think I'm getting a cough. <laughs> so I think you do. It does lead to a bit of burnout. But there is actually a phrase when you go on that scientific um, autopilot mode. It's called implicit memory, where you basically are productive but you're not actually awake intentionally so you're not really engaging in your parenting so you're kind of just doing it on autopilot and you're not really enjoying it so I think we need to like I'm going to bring them off to town now today on the bus after school I think you need to like just get, grab those moments and stop get out of the house and just do something where you're not being that shouty mammy or you're not being that kind of annoyed because you have to bring them for the school run or you know what I mean like I think we just need to take time out to actually enjoy them and that can lead, bring you back to a bit of happiness as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Do I, I think, sound awful or do I sound honest? No, it, I think it is honest. I'm wondering whether or not it's, you know, the reason for you speaking about it is that people should be having this conversation more, that it's not all a walk in the park, that it is tough. And, and also, you know, when, when you look at the work-life balance, in that regard, it must be, I mean, I know that more men now are choosing to step out of the workforce, aren't they, to rear children? Yeah. That's got to be a good thing. But 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 still, I imagine that the greater percentage is still women. The, gen- the generation's gone, thankfully, in many aspects of where mammy or your wife stayed at home to rear the children. They're gone. And of course, that comes at a price, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that this is, I wrote about this before as well. This having it all is absolute BS. You know, if you're going to do the job and work 
um, I think you can you can do successfully do both. I just think, you know, in a way where we sold a bit of a pup with that whole thing of, you know, burn the bra, you know. I mean, I for one, I'm looking at some of the ladies who lunch where I live now. I'm a bit jealous of them. The ladies that lunch then, are they, they, they are in the home rearing the children? They are, but like they're having, the, they're, they're living, they look like they're living the dream. But you see, are they though? Do you, you see, you, you know, how honest is, is that? How accurate is that? Are they? Could be wrong as well. I mean, I'd love to get inside their heads, the ladies who lunch. But at the same time, for me, I love, I love my, my job as well and I love my career. But I think having it all you just can't have it all at the same time. I don't know who said that. Somebody kind of cool said that. You can't you have your can't cake have and eat, but you can have a shorter working week, for instance, maybe four day yeah, to but, start. Oh, by the way, this whole four day week doesn't exist because people are emailing and ringing it all the time. Like, I think as well, that's a bit, unless the whole entire of Europe or whole of the whole of Ireland did a four day week, I think the part time women or men out there, they end up doing the extra on the three or four days that they're doing it. Interestingly, just on a point we made there where you were referencing the, 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 the ladies who lunch, somebody's saying that's monotonous in spite of going out for your pals for coffee or a lunch. The monotony of staying at home with kids and all the humdrum of the washing, the cleaning, the child minding, the housekeeping, it's soul destroying, says Anna. See, the ladies who lunch have the cleaners, remember? <laughs> I forgot about that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they have the nannies. It gets, e- it gets easier though. Uh, listen, I love them. They're so cute. I can't wait to go on the bus. So about, they're about 25, 26, 27, but it starts to get easier then. <laughs> Are your kids still living with you, Neil? No. Well, yes. <laughs> forgive, forgive me. My, yes. My daughter would say, you forgot about me. No, my son isn't my daughter. But they, they become independent human beings. Uh, listen, look, Motherhood's amazing. I love it. But I, just, I would like if everyone was a bit more real. And have men a role to play in this, please? Of course. What's our role to play? How can we make it better? Well, we can all, like, I think, <laughs> don't, don't, I think be honest with your partner is a thing. I like, I think it starts becoming like a competition. And I think that's, we need, we need to knock that on the head and say, we're both doing a good job. And listen, even a bit of Netflix, even one TV show together during the week, make, make it your little date. If you can't afford to go for a soiree, because you can't afford the babysitters. Just, just make it your, your night where you give your partner a foot massage and a foot rub and maybe an old, you know, bit of something else after the old, the, the, the handmaid's tale. Or I watch it made at the moment, which is pretty depressing. But um, yeah, no, I, I do think that partners just need to give each other a little bit of a break and um, realise that they're both doing the best they can. We, we've had this open conversation and it's actually improving our relationship. Yeah, well, that that's brilliant. You know, give somebody a break, give them a bit of pampering, give them a foot rub. But you, but a man could not be honest, surely be to God, and say to his partner, I'm finding this tough. So the response would be to have the head aching off him, wouldn't it? No. Do you think so? You're, yeah, well, it can be, the response would be, you're finding it tough. You should be me. There's this and there's this and there's this. And, and then he'll end up regretting opening his mouth at all. Well, could you both sit down and both say it's tough, though? <laughs> Depends on who starts the conversation. <laughs> yeah, now the competition element has to, you know, we have to get rid of that. And uh, when we started having this conversation, everything seemed to get better this week, you know? So I do think you need to be open and realise that parenthood, is, like, I think I, I, I was living in a rose-tinted glasses world. And then I, I said to somebody there, Jesus, I, I sometimes I feel like a 
not, I'm not doing a great job at this, you know? Well, this, you're just being honest because, and open and saying, it's, it's not, oh, it's, yeah, it's not parenthood, I think. Yeah, it's not, not a walk in the it's park. It's not a walk in the park. <laughs> All right, well, let me get some other thoughts from people who are listening. It's always good to catch up. Thanks so much, Siobhan. Look after yourself. Thanks, Neil. Have a great day. Bye. You too. Take care, Siobhan O'Connor. What are your thoughts on that? Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Neil, the lucky ones are those who have one child, a cleaner, a personal trainer, a dog walker, and a psychotherapist. All on speed dial, I suppose. Probably another one here says, the problem is moms are having babies later in life now so a lot of grandparents are a lot older and perhaps are not physically able uh, for minding smallies. Siobhan made an interesting point there that way back in the day it took a village to rear children and we've certainly moved on from that in the society we live in today. Back after 11 text 0868104106 Hi it's Connor. join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red bringing you the biggest, the best and newest names in Irish music Get it off your chest Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Your opportunity, as always, to scoop for yourself uh, some passes, uh, family passes for Alpine Skate Trail every day this week. It's a brand new skating experience that will have you skating through the woodlands of Fota. So it opens on the 12th of November. And we have family passes. You can book directly, incidentally, should you wish to do so at uh, www.iceskating.ie. But between now and midday, you're listening out for this uh, cue to call. Uh, get on the phone, call it 10 wins, family pass, uh, Alpine Skate Trail, sometime between now and midday today. You get it? Actually, cue to call one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Sometime between now and midday today, we were talking about Bus Aaron yesterday. Uh, you need to update your conversation. Bus Aaron recently purchased three new hydrogen-powered buses, but they're all in Dublin. They cost eight hundred thousand euro each. Says Paddy, are any of those coming Lee side where we're not running diesel buses anymore? Eight hundred grand. You ever make your money back on an eight hundred grand bus? And how long would it be on the road? In spite of the fact that it's a hydrogen bus, I mean, do they have a five year or ten year lifespan? Um, following your call about bus Aaron and the, what drivers have to put up with, my husband works for bus Aaron, and all of what that man is saying on air is one hundred percent true. Winter mornings starting at five thirty a.m. Start your own cold bus, even if it does start. If it's not delayed and behind, you're behind anyway for the whole shift. Rattling, beeping buses. Sometimes the buses have no heating. Uh, some only blow out cold air. It's torture for my husband. Some shifts uh, are five and a half hours of solid driving. Nowhere to go to use a toilet. Can't request time off for holidays. Um, they are given to you, your specific dates. Drivers refuse time off for family funerals. Drivers refuse time off for weddings special events. It's a disgrace how bus drivers are treated on a daily basis. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Even if you're a bus driver yourself, I will never give out your personal details to anyone. On Nadim Hussein, who was on hunger strike and now has been given an assurance that he won't be deported. Uh, I spoke to him yesterday morning on air. Why did the hunger striker not go to one of the Muslim countries surrounding India? Was he not welcomed there? What country did he go to after India? answer that is Ireland. Morning, I was given a three-bedroom house and I have four kids, three boys sharing one room. I would gladly take a chicken supper and I'd take a house even in Offaly. Uh, this is regarding people who are desperate for summer to live. Nadim deserves respect. He wants a chance to work and live in this country. There are many wasters in this city who won't work. 
that need to take a leaf out of Nadim's book. Good for him uh, and keep up the good fight, Nadim. Uh, just a comment regarding your chat with the asylum seeker, Nadim. I am an Indian living in Cork for many years and definitely feel that Nadim wants to play the system. There are indeed over 200 million Muslims in India, besides other minorities. There is certainly a feeling that in some instances there has been anti-Muslim and Islamophobic incidents in some places, but that does not automatically mean that on the basis asylum should be granted to anyone pushing that argument. I don't wish to come on air or even discuss this further, but if the asylum request is denied, you can't just go on hunger strike and then claim to need special treatment due to health conditions that are as a result of your hunger strike. Just two or three more. The asylum system is a joke. It's open to all types of abuse. A cash cow for the legal industry. Uh, People shouldn't be allowed to apply for asylum coming from first world countries, e.g. France, UK, Belgium and others. And just one or two more. His asylum application was turned down. He needs to return to India. It is a safe country. Uh, Shiona says, I've written many times to the minister that we need an urgent visa department. We have to turn people down as does Australia and the USA and many other countries, whereby a plane is waiting to escort you out of the country the day after your application fails, says Shiona. And Catherine just says, uh, six letters, six words, I'm sick of it all, she says. Text 0868104106. Another topic that I dealt with yesterday, um, have you noticed the customer service is getting worse and worse in this digital world, this online world, this world of apps and passwords and codes and double security and trying to get in touch with the company and you can't physically speak to anybody on the phone anymore. Add into that what we were discussing yesterday. I don't know whether this is exclusively KLM where they double charge you for a flight. But yesterday afternoon, I just Googled KLM double charging and there is story and story and link and after link after link regarding it. Um, here's an example. Hi, KLM, you debited my bank twice. Um, Hi, KLM charged my car twice. A third one. Um, KLM double booking. Warning, do not use your debit or credit card with KLM. They will double charge you. Another one. KLM plane tickets left me with a frozen smile. Another one. KLM charged me twice for three grand flights. Um, KLM's mistake cost me money. And a final one. KLM did a double charge my tickets. What happens is they don't actually end up taking the second charge, but it's frozen in your bank account. So if you wanted to spend money or use money that KLM has frozen, you can't get on with living your life or paying your bills and putting food on the table. So it's a big, big problem. Uh, Des Cahal, Fine Gael, uh, counsellor and also fellow traveller, I suppose, his experience of KLM. Des, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. I think you were actually also saying to Emer that this is happening wholesale. You know, lots of people is happening to it. Yeah, my my wife uh, was booking two tickets to go to um, Greece in, in January and was going, was delighted that Cork would be back. And so she was going with KLM, Cork, Amsterdam, Amsterdam, Athens. And um, very excited, booked the two, so it was for my wife and daughter, kind of, you know, just did her leaving last year, that type of thing. Lovely idea. So, yeah, so just the two of them were going and they found a good rate and all of that and booked us, I think it was about four, between four and five hundred for the two flights. Yeah. And then when she pressed the verification, you know, this double banking verification thing, it, you know, was swirling and pending. So it was kind of left in limbo and then it transpired the money 
similar to your yesterday's call and the others, is now held somewhere. But we got no tip. But she didn't get tickets, so she neither has the tickets booked or access to the money. But was she charged twice? No, because if she if she would have been charged twice, I suspect if they had actually processed her tickets. Does it say so on her she, bank account that the money is pending? Yes. Oh, and she and therefore she doesn't have access to spend that money. No, no. And she went into the bank yesterday, uh, and they said it's not our problem. Uh, well, it is going to be a problem for a lot of people who will fly <laughs> yeah. KLM out of Cork. Yeah, because we were all delighted, you know, to see KLM come to Cork because it opens up an awful lot more flights, more regular flights and so on. But it would appear this is certainly only a KLM issue. Um, you know, and I, it, but even more frustrating now, the tickets aren't booked because she's now afraid to, and rightly so, afraid to go back in and try and book them because it could happen again. So you'd have three lots of money gone. But in her instance, what happened was they've taken the money, but not processed the flight tickets. Did you pick up a phone, try and talk to somebody about it? She did, though. She was at the phone all weekend, you know, um, know, on hold for God knows I did get to speak to someone from KLM. They said the bank have the money. Uh, No, they said we don't have the money. My wife said, well, the bank said you do have the money. They said we don't have the money. Uh, We'll try and resolve it on Monday. We can see you tried to book it, but it's not processed, so you don't have any tickets. Went to the bank on Monday, yesterday after work. Um, oddly enough to be told by the bank, can you not do this between 10 and 11 in the morning? <laughs> I said, I'm working. Insane. Well, it's a bit busy now to go through this. <laughs> uh, when we talk about automated problems, I mean, this is, it, it is. Somebody you know, said online that this double booking or this double blocking has to do with multiple people being booked at the same time. The airline will request payment from your bank for the full amount when you book and then request payment for each individual ticket. Like, they've got a big problem here, KLM. Yeah, and I think in turn Cork Airport too because KLM's going to be a big part of it. Like... They you say know, you're supposed to get it back within two plan. weeks, but reimbursing money that's frozen that people desperately need in their lives, saying you'll get it back in two weeks, it's just not good enough. I mean, they need to fix no, it's a their lot of online money. portal. I mean, people shouldn't be without that amount of money for two weeks. It doesn't happen with any other airline when you book them. It's going to be a problem with KLM flying out of Cork where people will be paying twice, particularly if they're booking family flights. There's another one here. Same thing happened to us with KLM. I booked flights for four people. I was charged €1,600 twice. Pending money was released, but it took 10 days. My husband was totally freaking out. The weird thing is they charge for tickets separately when checking your statement. It's even confusing to read your bank statements regarding KLM. They need to get into the... The real world. They need to get into it, yeah. And I think, you know, maybe Niall McCarthy might get onto them from Cork Airport because it's going to be a... I'll put in a call to Cork Airport and ask them if they're aware of this. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, okay. So, not the end of the world, but it is certainly very frustrating that okay. no flights booked. But, yeah. Thanks so for, it, thanks it for that. Quite a lot. Just before I let you go, um, I just mm-hmm. want to ask you about Marina Park because you've been front and centre on this in fairness and you've been binging it up for the last few years. It looks yeah, fantastic. It's nearly there. What can people expect when it's finished? Due uh, to be open in the next couple of weeks, I think because they, we missed with COVID and everything else, the summer deadline, I think the wise view of the grass growth season finish um, so that will open. I think we may have to put some sort of fence, you know, even a very light fence along the front of it so cars don't mount it and 
destroy it. But that's, um, yeah, so it's due to open very, very short next couple of weeks. The marina, the redesign of the marina, actually, I just got a sneak peek of it last week. Um, that will be done next year, which will include lighting and proper paving and everything else. So that's very exciting. And then the marina mark two, or stage two, will also start next year. So there's lots so of plans in the, the offing, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And on top of yeah. that, of course, the fantastic marina market that's rocking. But the actual park itself, can you just describe it to people who don't know it? Um, so well, be- there's, a beautiful, there's a beautiful stream running through the middle of it. Yeah, first. you have a stream through it. I suppose this, it sounds, you know, I'm no designer, but there's lovely shapes to it. I mean, there's lots of curves. There's lots, it's, it looks like, it will look like it's been sitting there forever. There's a single promenade that goes down from the entrance and it goes all the way down to the pretty much the Atlantic Pond. So it comes between the the, uh, the Parky Creeve and the All Weather Pitch. Um, it's there's lighting. Um, there's a big recreation area in the centre with uh, with what looks like what would have been the old showgrounds. So the buildings are there for that. So there'll be activities there. Uh, I believe there'll be a coffee dock there as well. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, it's just really, really nice. It's, it's nice, nice and, and, and relaxing, and it's going to roll on in. That will continue on down on the other side of Parky Creeve onto the marinas, which will ultimately be the longest linear public park in the country when it's wow, finished. Wow, it's fantastic. I've really enjoyed watching it come to life there over the last couple of years. Okay, we can bring yeah, it on to the next nice, nice view, actually. So you're probably familiar to the Blackrock Walkway has been done, and down in Blackrock Village, which is known as, the, they're calling it now the Greenway. We always call it the Walkway, but the Greenway. But the, the old bridge that was at the Blackrock entrance, so by the... Um, uh, by the old post office. Yes. So the bridge is actually going to be put in place before Christmas. It's been built at the moment. Um, so that'll be a lovely site when that gets put in. Um, that whole project will take about another year longer, but the bridge is actually going to be landed in um, before this Christmas, which um, I think a lot of people will, will look forward to seeing That's that. That's a lovely walk. That's a lovely walk. All the way to Rochester. I, um, I met somebody walking the other day, and just the or ladies of the Legion or something. It was a, a, a Legion Hall. Yeah. That tiny, tiny building was some sort of, was just, was, it's named the Hall, Legion, Legion of Mary Hall. Yeah, yeah. Um, you want to know about that? I was in, I was in, I was in. It looked like you could fit more than four people in it. Yeah, well, you know something? You're not far off the truth because I was in the Legion of Mary as a, as a young fella. I think I must have been okay. 10, 12 or 13 years old. And that's where we met. It was the Legion of Mary and really? it was the tiniest... It's the tiniest little room. I mean, you might get maybe six or seven people around a table in it, and that's all. Uh, I often pass it and wonder, is it still being used by the Legion of Mary? I think it probably was a, a waiting room for, for the train at one stage, I guess, if you go back over 150 so, years ago. That's been, renovated. that's been renovated as well. Tiny little room, tiny room, the Legion of Mary. And maybe we could enter it to the Guinness Book of Records for the world's smallest hall. I think it would probably win, having been <laughs> in there. I think it would win anyway. All right, Des, yeah. listen, appreciate that. Thanks so much. Cheers. Bye. Des Kyle. Yeah, that's a tiny... I mean, I don't know whether they're still there. There would have been half a dozen of us, um, uh, and us and a, a statue of uh, the Virgin Mary, and uh, maybe a little red light as well. But that was about all. You get no more in there. And we used to do good deeds in the community. We used to deliver the different uh, religious newspapers on a weekly basis, different homes. I think one was called the Irish Catholic and one was called the Irish Messenger. 
and then we'd visit the elderly or the sick or we'd clean houses for elderly women who lived alone, all those kind of things. I mean, it was, it was a good thing to do and I have to say it was a lot of fun. But that was the little room. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Patricia, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I hear tell that lockdown wasn't very kind to you in the weight department. Am I right? Yeah, lots of years weren't kind to me in the weight Okay, department. so, I mean, had you been putting on weight before lockdown gradually, was it? Because I heard that it piled on during lockdown. Yeah, well, at the beginning of lockdown, I was trying to get out as much as I could and walk because we'd always been very active. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, getting out was great, but then there was nothing else to do afterwards. So I was eating and drinking an awful lot that I shouldn't have been doing. And yeah, it just piled on me. Yeah. I know. And you weren't alone, you know, an awful lot of people did the same because you had a lot of time on your hands, of course, and you had restricted movement and the temptations are there. So what did you decide to do? Because I know that for years you were you were actually training and engaging in martial arts four or five times a week. Did all that stop as well? Yeah, all that had stopped, um, even a bit before um, lockdown. Um, but even when I was doing those, Neil, like I, I would lose a bit of weight, but I would never keep it off, or I'd never lose enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I was always overweight. Yeah. So I had been kind of researching um, bariatric surgery, but it was huge cost here in Ireland. I couldn't afford it. Like I kept getting quotes of like twenty two thousand and stuff. God, it's like and um, it's crazy like it's an awful lot of money and I had no health insurance yeah yeah. but um, I met a friend of mine one day and I was shocked she'd lost so much weight and she told me she'd been to Turkey and she gave me the rundown on it and like there's an awful difference in the it's price it's far from like, 22 grand it's more like 3, 4 maybe 5 grand max isn't it yeah it's 3 grand but including our flights my husband came with me our flights and parking and Food and medication, absolutely everything. It was just about four grand. You're not the first woman, actually, that I've spoken to who actually did what you did. It wasn't always a sleeve. Sometimes it was, um, uh, you know, other types of surgery on the stomach, for instance. But they went during lockdown and there was huge restrictions. Was that, had you anticipated all of that? Like, were you nervous about lockdown and COVID restrictions and flying? Yeah, I was. Um the flying was what was kind of, I think I had myself set for the surgery, but, you know, the flying and that did worry me a little bit. But it was actually fine because the airports were really, really quiet. Yeah, yeah. And before that, um, what was your what was your diet like? You know, where you say it was just you'd lose a bit and then put on more. It was like one step forward and two steps back. Was it very unhealthy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was atrocious, really. Like, you know, I say, oh, I wasn't that bad, but I was. Did you ever make a you diary? Know, uh, <laughs> no, I didn't want to know. <laughs> no. Yeah, we had you had you had you a lot of places on speed dial. <laughs> yes, we ate out an awful lot. You see, I had my kids very young. I had my first child at nineteen, and so like I'm forty two now, and they're raised like so. We had all this newfound freedom, so we were eating out two and three times a day at the weekend. Like, <laughs> good God. <laughs> Oh my God. Where yeah, did you expect all of that to go? Like down through your toes, is it? Yeah, sure, look, I enjoyed it while I was doing it, but then it just got... <laughs> oh my God. So the gastric sleeve, what's that exactly? So um, basically they cut out like 80 to 85% of your stomach. Thank you. 
of the stomach pouch and it's done um, through keyhole surgery. So I literally have four little marks like you wouldn't even see them now. Um, and they take it actually out, whereas with the bypass, they bypass it. But with the sleeve, they actually take the extra stomach out. And is that the cheapest of all of the options, I wonder? I don't know. The balloon is probably cheaper. Um, God, there's so many different options, isn't there? Yeah. Pouches and balloons it, it, and sleeves and bypasses. Yeah, there's an awful lot of them. There is, yeah, there is a good few. So you stayed, what, for... I guess four or five days, then you had a bit of recovery afterwards, wasn't it? And then flew home. No, I actually flew over there on a Thursday. I got there after 12 o'clock on the Thursday night. Had my pre-ops on the Friday, my surgery on the Saturday morning, recovered on the Sunday, and I checked out at half four on the Monday morning and flew home. That's like a long bank holiday weekend. Yeah, if even that, because we didn't get there till... Yeah, Saturday, was it? Uh, we got there on the, well, the Friday morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it is fast. In, in on the Friday, out on the Monday. And no complications, no? No, none at all. I had researched the surgeon to the hilt and he just kept coming up as like tops, really. Now, you know, so. when, you, when you got back then, um, you know, you had formed all of these eating habits and unhealthy ones. Does all of that go yeah. away? I'm just curious as to, you know, are the, well, are, the, are the urges there, the pangs, the wish, the sugar, you want the sugar, the salt, the carbs, or what happens? Yeah, like you you, get, you can get head hunger. You see, they take out the ghrelin um, uh, hormone, so that's the hunger hormone. So that's actually taken out with the 85% of the stomach. So you don't actually physically feel hungry. But you do get head hunger and it isn't nice. But I mean, you just have to work through it. You know, you went there for a reason, you know. What's head hunger? It's the wishing to have. Yeah, um, your head wants the food, you know. Whether that's Italian or takeout chipper or a pizza or lots of chocolate. Yeah, or is even it? like, even like, because um, you're on you're on a liquid diet for the first two weeks. So you can really only have like um, a few spoons of um, a watery soup or you can have a couple of spoons of a yogurt but you know you're saying oh I'd love like you know something like you know but by the time you get onto like a salad food then a half a boiled egg and you're stuffed like you're so. actually full on half a boiled egg really yeah. so what would what would like typical lunches or dinners be like now I'm seven months post-op and I could eat a boiled egg and maybe a half a slice of toast um <laughs> But, and I'd be stuffed. I'd feel like I'd had a three-course meal. Like, but that's your breakfast, surely. That's not your dinner. No, that could be your lunch or your dinner. Like, you'd have the same kind of amount of food for each of them, really. But you must be loaded with money, are you? You must be saving. <laughs> must be saving. No, Neil. I'm after replenishing my wardrobe. Oh, for twice. God, I forgot about it. You're no good with a needle and thread, though, on a singer sewing machine. No. No, 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 no. I'm great to shop, though. I'm really good at that. <laughs> Who isn't? So you went from 19 stone to uh, just over 12 and a half stone, but you're you're not on the very tall side. I mean, you're not playing up front in the basketball team. You're about 5'3", is it? No. So yeah. you, 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 were, you were the one that said you just couldn't carry that weight with that height. No, oh. I couldn't carry it. No, it was killing me. Like, it, you know, that six stone that's gone now, six and a half nearly. Like, I, it's so much different. I jump out of the bed. People have stopped and said to me, oh, my God, you even walk differently, you know? So do people comment when they meet you for the first time in a few months and saw such drastic weight loss? 
Yeah, and it's funny because now when you're wearing the masks, people that haven't seen me or don't follow my my Instagram, they don't know who I am. (laughs) And then I pull down the mask and they go, Jesus, you know. (laughs) Give them a heart attack. And I wonder, when you were at your heaviest, did people comment about that as well? I mean, they're fine to say, oh, my God, you look great. You lost a lot of weight. But did anybody ever say the opposite? No, not really. I had one friend that used to say to me, I think she was more worried about my health. But not really. And a lot of people have said to me afterwards, Jesus, I never saw weight on you. I never saw that you had weight. Like, I'd be fierce outgoing, you know. And I suppose... They're the nicest kind of friend, so aren't they? Not judging somebody by their, you know, Yeah, like, you know, presence. but now when they see the before and afters, they seem a little bit shocked. They said that they didn't notice that I had that much weight, you know, before. And I'm I've like, seen, Jesus, uh, I yeah, noticed I've, it. I've seen the photographs. Massive transformation. It's incredible what can be done in just over six months, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's crazy. It is. It's very but good. Like, what, it's, what's it's it like though? If you want to go out for a meal with your husband or or with friends, and you're there with a small little tea plate, I suppose, or a side plate, is it? I mean, you can't. You know, you're yeah, you're, fin- you're like, finished eating, and they're they're going three courses. But you don't really because you eat so slowly. Like, if you eat slowly, you won't get like dumping syndrome is a thing you can get where, you know, some people get sick, and I don't. Like, I just get like really hot and. I'd be like, oh, God, i got to lie down. I'm tired, you know. But I don't really get that anymore because I know how to control it now. Like if you, we usually know anyone I know that's had anything like this, they'd order like a starter and just take it slowly. And then you'd be chatting and stuff. So no, eating out is actually grand. You're finished at the starter. <laughs> you don't get... I, I, I usually just get a starter as the main course. You don't go for the um, for the cheesecake then, No. No. <laughs> <laughs> What, no, definitely have, not. What do you have, like an egg cup of wine? Uh, no, no, wine can go down all right, Neil. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wine is a different thing. Has that got a different pouch or something? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I always had an alcohol one. <laughs> okay. Well. No, like you wait 30 minutes or so, 20 to 30 minutes after you eat, and then you'll be able to drink. But like you couldn't, you can't eat and drink together at the same time. That's amazing. So, I mean... But surely this weight loss will continue until you pretty much disappear. At, 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 like, because if because you, you're not taking in enough calories now to maintain a healthy life, apparently, no. I know you are. Like you, you, you are still taking in your calories, and we supplement a lot as well with um, um, protein shakes and stuff like. Ah, so you are. Ta- yeah, I am taking yeah. in. I could be taking in up to a thousand calories in a day. But you'll still you know? lose weight on a thousand calories in a day. And at what stage? Yeah, at what stage will you stop losing weight? I mean, you're in and around twelve and a half now. Is is ten the goal? Nine, eight? Yeah, I'm saying ten. Some people are saying, "Oh, you would look awful at ten, But we don't know until I reach it. You know. Or when will that be? But, do you think you know? Any idea? Oh God, I don't know. I'm hoping they say you'll reach your goal usually in and around tw- the twelve month mark. So I don't know. That's I have to amazing. just wait and see. It's That's kind amazing. of I don't know. And when you went out trick or treating, um, <laughs> <laughs> assuming were they offering you nuts or apples or something from the box of celebrations? What do you have? I didn't even have to dress up. Most of them said I was like a ghost. I was disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> Patricia the witch. <laughs> and you know what? Like you were talking about twenty two thousand euro here, and you were asking yeah. the question. I know with with Brenda that it be on the cross border directive, or people should be able to get it. On on, are you saying on the HSE? Is it? Well, you can get it. 
on the HSE, but you could be, you'd be waiting 10 years, like, I mean, 10 years is an awful long time for someone who's very overweight. It's the problems that come with it, like, you know, people get diabetes and they get heart disease and, you know, it's all these things that come with being overweight. That's right, they but do. It, but it is on the cross-border directive, Neil. You, you can do it on that if you're on the list here in Ireland. Just if, to, you, if, if you can, if you can just get on the list, you can automatically go north of the border for it, can you? Yeah, or you can go anywhere within the EU. And what criteria, do, what criteria do you have to meet to get on the list, as you say, for surgery? Jeez, I don't know. My GP had said he would put me on it, but um, I just, I wasn't waiting. Like, I couldn't wait any longer. Well, you mean even on the list for cross-border, it could be 10 years? No, like cross-border, it's kind of up to yourself from what I gather from girls that have done it. You take you the loan out, you go to the credit union, you get the yeah. work done and then you get it back from the state and you repay yeah. the credit union. I didn't know you could get that done on it. Yeah, I, I'd say a lot of people don't know. I only recently learned it myself or I mightn't have went to Turkey, which isn't in the EU. <laughs> well, I mean, it's probably the best few, Bob, you ever invested in yourself. It's changed your life. Oh, it was. Best money I've ever spent. And you know how people say life is too short? I actually think life is too long and it's too long for you not to do that because you've got so much time ahead of you and you can do so much more now with your life physically. And I'm quite sure it's impacted on you mentally as well. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's very true, yeah. So good luck with that. What are the plans? You're going to take up the uh, martial arts again? Oh, God, I don't know. We used to do it as a family and we were doing Brazilian martial arts and we don't really do it anymore. But um, we go hiking now every Saturday. We do a 7 to 10k hike and we've joined the gym. So we're just active now. You wouldn't have thought of that 12 months ago now, would you? No, I wouldn't have been able to. I'd have had a banger. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I'll let you get on. Great to catch up. Congratulations on it. Um, and, And may you reach your goal very soon, Patricia. Thank you. <laughs> All the best. Thanks, Neil. Oh, just as well, just by the way, if anybody wants to follow Patricia's journey, her Instagram handle is relieved to be sleeved 2021. Back after the break. More on this after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. That was Patricia's story. And when she costed it here for weight loss surgery, it was €22,000 to get it done privately. Of course, the other option was overseas. And that's what she did. Went to Turkey. That cost 3000 including the flights, airport parking, medication, food, etc. When you had everything. When you put the flights in and the food and parking at the airport it goes from three grand to, to four grand but max uh, four grand um very different if it's been done here but the, the you know the way they approach surgery is very different here it's a much longer journey you just can't book it and get on you know get on a well you can in turkey book it get on a plane and get it done here apparently there's a lot more stages you have to go through how do i know that because jar told us he joins me by phone jar good morning Good morning, Neil. But but first up, just flipping back to your sister who did travel to Turkey, had a very bad experience, did she? Yes, yeah, she did. Well, uh, like that other previous lady, she was back home in Ireland within four days. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the big thing is that in Ireland, if you get that surgery done, you there's about twelve months consultation and you know dietary and getting you ready for for the op. Um, There's a pre-diet for 12 months, is there? Pre-diet, yeah. And, you know, a lot of uh, psychological uh, assessments and all that as well, you know. Um, And then um, after the op, um, you're taken care of as well. Whereas, like, you're a couple of thousand miles away from Turkey and there's no aftercare. Um, So 
that is that was a, a big problem. And um, did she start to feel it. unwell after she came back? Yeah, because she wasn't she wasn't prepped for it, um, and um, was trying was probably eating the wrong things as well. Um, but like she had so many problems with maybe liver and kidney failure in the end, you know. Um, oh my God. Um, she was and, very, uh, very sick then. Very, very sick. Yeah, extremely sick. And um, did she present yeah. at CUH or did she? How no, did that... she. She's up the country. Um, but um, she was because she ended up in hospital for a couple of weeks. And uh, at one stage, we we didn't think she was going to pull through. It, it was that bad, you know. Um, and, um, and did they did so, they connect the organ issues or potential organ uh, failure with the surgery? Absolutely, yeah. Um, because she was. You know, she wasn't eating, and um, they ended up. Uh, I think they reversed. They, they did something to reverse the, whatever was done on Turkey, and yeah. Um, but um, it wasn't. It wasn't a good experience. Um, so, like this, the, the, you know, the way, way this lady was on about the cost and everything. It's it's not. It's not on about cost. It's on about care. Um, before and after surgery. Can it depend on where the surgery is done, though? Because Patricia gave me a distinct impression that she got an awful lot of literature and an awful lot of coaching with regards to the foods that she should eat, the types of calories. It starts with a, with a liquid diet originally, you know, and then you move on to I, I, kind of look, gooey I, food I, and then solids. I, I, I presume she got that as well, but there's, there's the psychological assessment and then the aftercare as well. If you're, you know... You are getting a bit of care here, and I suppose the whole package is in, is in that, you know. Um, so it isn't just isn't just easy for. Uh, I suppose that lady uh, that was on previous might have had, um, you, you know, a very strong will as well to to do what she did, you know. And I think an awful lot of it is down to that, you know. So the psychological assessment and the twelve months pre diet are central to the surgery here. All of this is done, all of these yeah. assessments are done in advance. Because exactly. you're yeah. saying that it and, mightn't and suit everybody's yeah. temperament, is it? And, and aftercare. aftercare as well. Did you, make, yeah. did you make a full recovery, your sister? Yes, yeah, yeah, she has, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. And how did she feel about her experience? Uh, she, 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 I suppose she wanted it and, and, and she needed it to get it done for herself. But um, and she would still she would still say that it was uh, her, she would say it was the correct thing she did, but um, you know it's it's not easy and, and the family and people around her you know when when you see the extent of it you know yeah I know, um, I know I know and it was and it was reversed so she never actually got to live out her I, dream and, and lose weight yeah yeah no yeah it's, um, it, it was uh, look there was there's lots of problems but it, it's just not. It's not all about the surgery and about it's 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 about the care. There's the before and the after. Good point. Well yeah. made. Okay. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for taking the call. Okay. okay um, okay. I'm actually amazed at the amount of uh, stories, texts, and emails with regards to people's drinks being tampered with. Um, an awful lot of them actually following yesterday's program. If you wouldn't mind it, just because people have taken the time. It's one of the most disgusting things anyone could do to another person, and it's so dangerous. And Orr says it's mind-boggling how many people are spiking drinks. It's been going on for years, but yet, how is it still a thing and seems to be getting worse? Who are all these weirdos spiking drinks and how has it become the norm? Full force of the law must come down on these monsters. Um, are there any court reports of people who have actually been prosecuted for doing this, I wonder? Teresa said, I was, sp- I was spiked years ago. People need to realise it's a bloody, it's a big issue. It doesn't matter where you live. People still do it and it's naive to think otherwise. Um, 
Kira says, people have no idea how dangerous spiking is, not just from a personal safety point of view. How does the spiker know the person has no allergies or other medication that it could interact with? Will it take someone to die before it's taken seriously? Angela says, my daughter is only 12 years old. I dread it when she's of the age to go to clubs and pubs. Brian, it happened to me a few years ago and I was only drinking Lucasade at a staff party. It happens to men and women. Mary says, the people who spike people's drinks need to be locked up. It's time people are scanned going into pubs, scanned going into nightclubs like they do at airports. Why are people so horrible these days? Absolutely. Why are people so horrible? And why do we have to even talk about scanning people going into pubs and nightclubs? Well, there's the reason why. Uh, so when a man is alleged, when, so when it's a man, it's allegedly. When a woman, when it's a woman, it's a fact. That's a laugh. That's just so typical. Thank you for that text. A family member of mine was spiked a few years back in the, the night of his son's christening. He was in his 40s, never took a drug in his life. Horrible of anyone to assume because he's a man, he wasn't spiked. He was. I don't think, I certainly didn't make any comment with regarding, uh, you know, that it is only a woman's issue or only happens to women. I wonder, was it some text or something? Happened to me a few years ago in town. I lost complete use of my whole body in a matter of minutes. The man who did it followed me to the door of the bar before my friends spotted what was happening. Oh my God, that is just a horror story. And Owen said, it happened to me once. I don't remember much. I remember having a drink and next thing waking up on my bed. I managed to stagger home, included, including falling into the ditch a few times. And my father found me passed out on the kitchen floor and carried me up to my bed. Never take drinks from strangers. And that's the selection. And to be quite honest with you, I have pages and pages more. We got that in calls and texts after the break. Actually, no, I'll tell you what, I'll just, because Amy's holding on for a while, so we'll just go straight to her phone calls. Amy, good morning. Hi, how are you? Earlier on, we were talking about Dennis, who hadn't his passport going up and tried to board the flight to Scotland with his wife. Uh, you remember that conversation? And he yeah, couldn't, yeah. he was hoping that he could use, um, what other kind of ID did he have? Maybe a driver's license or something, and they refused. What was your own situation? This was Ryanair, incidentally. We were flying out to Manchester on Saturday the 23rd to Dublin. And we were after getting onto Ryanair previously before we booked the trail because we had ordered his passport, but we knew there was a chance it might not be there. Yeah. Yeah. So we asked him, could he fly with just birth search before we booked him? And your man said, yeah, it was all on web chat. So I screenshot it. And he said um, to just get onto the embassy in England to see if they would accept it. And I got onto them and they said they would. And that was grand. So we thought, you know, we were grand like. So we went up to Dublin and they wouldn't leave us on the flight. What did they say? They just said that they don't accept birth cert and that whoever told me that was wrong and that there was no way around it, like, and I was like... Did they say where the problem would be? The Irish side, the English side? They said Ryanair just don't accept birth cert. They said, like, they just don't, like... They but said I'm, I'm told that in Spain you can get on a Ryanair flight in Spain and Spanish people get on with, um, like, uh, national ID cards. What's going I on here? To speak to someone else. She wouldn't. She was just a pig woman. Like she, she was very rude to me. Like I was, I was upset. I was crying, and she was saying I could travel where the son was going as well. She said I could travel with him, but I couldn't travel with my baby. And it was our first, his first time going on a plane. Did you show them the screenshot of the web chat? Yeah. Yeah. 
like they were just horrible to us like and she ended up just ignoring me looking at her computer then like so we had to end up walking out of the airport because right? Dennis's daughter told me well, that they were very they weren't rude but you know they they did say we'll let you on the pl- on the plane using a driving license but you won't get into yeah. the UK they won't accept it they didn't say anything like that no no there was no way around it she said it just wasn't happening and so we had to then, we got a flight then with Aer Lingus from Belfast. So then you had to go from, did you get in a car and drive to Belfast then? We did, yeah. We went We went to Belfast and we flew out then. It cost like, it added thousands onto our trip and added extra days on. And it just added a load of stress really. Like, um, I think the figure of an extra 2,000 euro was mentioned. Was for the flight. Only that's not even without spending money for hotels and then extra days that have to be stayed. You know, it was just a horrible experience. Like, and this was with um, a birth a birth certificate. Yeah, yeah, and you had cleared it in advance. I the, have the web chat that. said yes. The English millionaire customer support service online, and I have it all screenshotted and all. You know, so they just, it was a disgrace. Like, they just added a load of stress on to Has it all changed because of Brexit or something? Was there a time when somebody could get on a Ryanair flight or an Aer Lingus That's flight for it. that matter? You know, they said that, like, it's always been passport-like. But, sure. And what about problems coming down the line for mums who can't get their kids' birth certs because birth deaths emerge? There was no problem with Aer Lingus. Like, they were fabulous. Like, they left him on with the birth cert. Oh, my God. Really? Oh, yeah. It was just... It was horrible, like. Oh, for God's sake. I forgot that. How did you get on the Aer Lingus plane? They said, okay... With the birth they, cert, yeah. They, there was no problems with it, like. They didn't okay. even look at the birth cert. Do you mind if we send on your details um, to, to Ryanair? I'd love to see what their response to this would yeah, be. Because I'm forwarding on an email to them this morning with my screenshots and stuff. I think you have a case and there, you know, if you have the screenshots. Yeah, definitely, because I'm waiting on a reply back now as well. I, I couldn't deal with it last week because I was so stressed with all the travelling. What would you like them to do? Would you like them to... I want to be refunded for my flights and refunded for my Aer Lingus flights too. Okay, so we're talking about north of two grand there anyway, perhaps two and a half grand or something like that. Yeah. You wouldn't so be taking you wouldn't be take you wouldn't take vouchers from them or anything, no? No, not a hope. I'll never fly with Ryanair again. Okay, okay. Be interested to see what response you get and we'll also do the same on your behalf and see what kind of response we get it. I'm confused about the whole thing. Okay, let's see what let's see what they say on the matter, okay? Well, yeah. Cheers for now, Amy. Why is it that then that Aer Lingus would take uh, a birth cert of a child? Is it only babies' birth certs they would take? I mean, if you rocked up with a birth cert, would Aer Lingus allow you aboard a flight? Is it only to the UK? What's it like for the rest of the EU? Has it anything to do with the EU Schengen Agreement area? I think we need to talk to Owen Corrie on that just to get the uh, professional advice on it. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Oh, just a couple of texts before I love you and leave you. My son is in Glanmire for a COVID test, Neil. The HS see her after double booking everyone so they're only taking the first 150 it's a shambles of a system I'm trying to get through to Blackpool to make an appointment for the Covid test, my son is off work I'm off work until he gets a negative result and we drove all the way from Mallow, that is a head wreck for sure on my conversation with Siobhan O'Connor I'd love people to be honest and open and just to share and get a conversation going about the fact that it is tough 
life does change, that it comes with a lot of extra stress and a lot of responsibility when you have a child. And I wonder, are we prepped for it before people decide to have children? And I was just thinking, actually, one thing that I didn't um, dwell on is if you were a single parent, um, and I know that there are single men rearing children, don't get me wrong, but predominantly it is the role of a single mother. Imagine how difficult that must be, how life-changing that is, particularly if you... You know, there are two different ways to look at this. One who is somebody who goes into it alone as a single parent. Another who goes in with the partner and becomes a single parent. And you imagine then how more difficult it must be again then for a single mom with a, with a child with special needs. How much uh, harder work must be in spite of absolute overwhelming love. That that goes without saying so it's got to be tough out there so keep those texts coming keep those emails coming Maria says uh, my children make me the happiest person although sometimes I'd love to wrap wrap my hands around their long necks (laughs) don't even start me now on phrases and mammyisms and threats to children from back in the day there's a book in that there are pros and cons to having kids couldn't live without them though says Fiona at least from 18 years on her children can look after themselves we have a 24-7 and our son is 32 with special needs and we're definitely burnt out it will get better for ye unfortunately it's getting harder for us also I had to give up my job many years ago with no help so my own identity always went thank you for that text thank you for sharing um Thank you for your honesty. Uh, Most parents won't relinquish control to leave other people mind their kids, Neil. Visiting my nieces and nephews is like supervised visitation from my sister-in-law. And as much as I offer to help my friends, they never take me up on the offer. I can only assume they don't want my help. That's an interesting point of view, an interesting experience. Just get rid of the husband as soon as you can. Um, He's like an extra child to you. Mine was anyway. As soon as he was gone, the house ran like clockwork. He comes in handy then when you need a night out as you save on the babysitting fees. And one final one for now. I just can't get my head around it. All I hear from my friends who have kids that are married is how tired they are, how hard it is. Why the hell do they have children in the first place? All they do is moan, moan, moan. I think the simple answer to that really is they just didn't realize that it was going to be so tough. Get in touch. Text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.